This podcast proudly sponsored by Milwaukee Magic Cards and Games. In the Milwaukee area, come see us in our historic Bayview location. Find us online at milwaukeemcg.com or look for Milwaukee Magic Cards and Games on Facebook. Not in the Milwaukee area, there are still plenty of deals to be had at wearerpg.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-P-G.com. And now, redwizardgames.com, your one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. Are you ready? up everyone welcome to episode 19 of mana screwed i am tangent with me as always is beamy substituting for beamy tonight jay bush everybody jay bush Bush. yeah jay bush join us and of course the sandwich has returned what's up all right so we (laughs) yeah we are here once again to astound and amaze you with news and information, or not that much news at all from around the Magic Universe. So kick back, relax, grab a Rockstar and vodka this time, because you know that I am, and enjoy the show. So, this week we don't really have a whole lot of news, because everyone else has been talking about it, and it doesn't do us any good to talk about news three or four days later. So, we did want to cover a few things. we got a bunch of deck lists, a bunch of email... And, of course, as the Beamy here pointed out, I kind of failed to talk about the grinders last week, which is one of the main points of the show. So, if it's uh, cool with you guys, I'll go ahead and uh, give a little rundown of what happened at the grinder. That's cool. Let's roll. All right, so the grinder uh, probably only had about 25 people. And it was uh, it was it was pretty cool. It was in a place called Uncle's Games here in uh, the Spokane Valley, actually. And there was you know a variety of people, but for the most part, it was the best people in the area. There was only a couple uh, like newer players that really were just there just to, to play because it was some sort of event. the uh, The rest of the crew was basically just a bunch of there wasn't just locals. There was people from like like uh, Idaho and and other areas around here that had come to to hit the grinder and try and score a few buys. But uh, anyway, for the most part, it was pretty solid players though. And uh, they, I scored a really decent uh, deck. Uh, unlike the the previous times. I, I didn't feel like it was the best deck out there, and I didn't have, like, the sickest bombs ever, but the the cards that I did have, I knew I could make work. For one thing, I had Royal Assassin, which is always awesome. I had the, uh, let's see, this is why we don't put a day of extra wasted time, or I mean a week 
in between the me playing and the actual time when I talk about it, because I'm trying to remember everything. But it was the uh, the dude that has uh, can't be targeted by non-green spells or abilities, and he has haste. I had that guy, which is he is totally sick. And uh, what was that? Oh, sorry, I thought you said something, Beamy. Uh, so anyway, I had um, a bunch of basically it was a gr- pretty much a green beater deck, and with a bunch of removal, I had like Doom Blade, Assassinate, uh, as I s- mentioned, the Royal Assassin. I had um, a Crystal Ball, and I just it was kind of a complete turnaround from some of the other decks that I played. I kind of just pretty much held down the board until I could get my stomping creatures out and just leveled everyone and it was it worked out really well I lost one match and that match I'm pretty sure I could have won um, got to just before the top eight and as I was going to be able to draw in me and the guy just decided to draw into the top eight and everything was good and we hit the the draft portion and I actually drafted a pretty decent deck, but the problem with it really was the fact that that uh, I was drafting against the local group, which is kind of the local team around here, which I'm not a part of, nor do I really want to be, because there, there's a couple decent guys on there, but for the most part, it's kind of a bunch of arrogant assholes. And uh, and even though you know I enjoy arrogance once in a while, I don't enjoy these guys very much at all. And they pretty much uh, kind of stacked the draft and just gave each, fed each other the cards that they needed. And I was I was it was basically me flying solo playing against this team of guys that were giving each other exactly what they wanted. And so and I have to be able to deal with that. I have to be able to beat that. But you know, I tried. I tried. What was that? It's a dude. You yeah. rolled solo. Yeah. Yeah, I totally rolled solo, dude. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. So anyway, the I I have to be able to take that down still. If I, you know, unless I'm going to get myself in with that group of people, I have to be able to try and beat them. And I put up a fight, but in the end, I lost to a guy. I lost to. Um, a guy that was the friend of like that they ended up in the championship together. I won the first round of the draft. The second round um, was the guy who I lost to, and then and then he faced off in the championship against the guy who won the previous grinder a couple weeks before. And the thing that's really jacked up. I mean, even though these guys are friend and part of the same quote team. The guy who won the grinder a couple weeks before was not conceding. That's how much... When I say arrogant, like, asshole, that's what I mean. Like, this guy wasn't even giving... Wasn't even going to bow out of the top eight out of the championship game against his own friend because he, quote, needed the rating points. It didn't have anything to do with... Supposedly didn't have anything to do with the fact that he was uh, dream crushing, which is what he claimed he was doing when he got there. He was just there to dream crush, but he said. Then he kind of like swept it under the carpet as, "Oh, I'm just trying to get rating, higher rating points." So anyway, so I had to deal with jerk off with a jerk off. But for the most part, I just shook the hand of the guy that beat me, and I said, 
take him down, you know. I mean, I think it's pretty jacked up that he wasn't even going to uh, bow out so that his friend could get the three buys. And, uh, yeah, that's so that's my D-bag story of the week, which happened a couple weeks ago. Sucks. Not surprising at all with the way some people are, but that shows you the difference between someone who is local talent and the difference between someone who wants to go beyond just being your best locally. He'll never exceed the level he's at if he doesn't understand the level of, I don't want to say sportsmanship, but to be part of that pro, quote, click, they don't they don't sit there and go, screw you, you're going to lose. How many times have you seen them all the time when they're in the top group, handshake, okay, we're done, thanks. Or if, you know, whatever, they'll, they'll agree for the split for the prizes. I mean, this seems like a guy who has no comprehension of anything outside of himself. And pretty much that's the way I feel about it. The thing that bothers me about it is you're right, once you get to a, a certain level, it's it's more or less understood that that's, that's the sportsmanship thing to do. And this guy isn't doing that, which which surprises me that he manages to even hold down any friends at all. And maybe he did lose a few that day because no one was happy with him about it at all. And, you know, even people that weren't going to be able to make it, well, we pretty much were all out at that point because when I lost, that was the last game that led to the championship. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, he got a lot of negative uh, views of him that day, and it was totally self-imposed because he could have done the right thing and just bowed out let his friend move on. He already had three buys. He didn't have anything to worry about. So it, I don't know. I mean, it's it's bad form for sure. And hopefully he gets. Uh, well, he, hopefully Ben finds him sometime in a dark alley and uh, gives him what he really deserves. Yeah. You know, nothing. Nothing would be sweeter yeah. than for you to go run three zero and play against him in the first round and bounce him. And oh, say, that would oh, be sweet. I'm I'm sorry, you're three one now. How those buys doing for you now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would totally love that. This guy's he's good. Obviously, I mean, he won the first grinder and then he made the championship of this grinder. He's good, but it's not like he's unbeatable. I've beaten him multiple ta- times before in other events. This guy's just I don't know. He's he gets to the top eight, and then they have their little team that ensures that one of them's going to win, and he just is too much of a D-bag to actually bow out. So I would more than love to stomp his face in the Grand Prix. Well, remember, you have a very good chance of doing it because as long as you're 3-0, you're going to be playing somebody that's 3-0, whether it's one of the pros or one of the other people that happen to be lucky enough to win a grinder. That is a fact. That is very true. Um, okay, so let's see. Aside from that, we have, oh man, we have so many things to talk about. Uh, did you want to just go ahead and get started on some email, or did you want to go over deck lists first there? Why don't we do emails first, because the longest segment always ends up being the deck list. So Yeah, I kind of noticed that for some reason. Uh, well, not to mention just calls in general. Uh, <laughs> so, Elijah... Morris, one who who had uh, discussed or had asked us 
about his deck list before. He did send an email where he said, uh, it's Eli again. I was just wondering, do you think there are any cards in the Elspeth versus Tezzeret dual decks that make it worth buying? And I would say, uh, you know, what what do you think about that, Beamy? Honestly, if you're playing Vintage Legacy, absolutely. Uh, the Swords of the Plowshares, the Mox, yeah, there's lots of nice cards in there. Uh, Tezzeret deck on its own can play pretty solid itself. Uh, if you're looking for standard, not really, but if you're looking for legacy vintage, absolutely, because the price of the cards itself is probably going to be at least 50, 60 bucks in value for something that you could, you know, you're going to pay 20, was it 24.95 for, I believe, or something right, like that. Right, yeah. And I kind of feel more or less the same way. I would say, uh, look, Elspeth is almost reason enough to buy it on its own. But at the same time, a lot of these cards are either not standard or will be shortly out of standard. And, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is all these dual decks, they have such a combination of current cards and... I mean, what well, Jace versus Chandra had counterspell in it. So I guess if you like playing with a card that you're really never going to be able to play with, unless you're playing, you know, like EDH or something, then yeah, you know, I mean, if if you're interested in that, go ahead. I personally don't find the value in it. I'd rather just go get the cards that I need, especially if you, I mean, if you really want Elspeth that bad. Um, wait until he drops into it extended, and then it will drop in value a little bit. She, I guess, but uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally run out and buy it unless you're like making an EDH deck or something, and you need the cards specifically for that. I, I just, just it, it depends on what format you like to play too. If you play standard all the time, then absolutely not. I can agree with you completely on that one. Okay, uh, let's see. I know that we had some more um, here. One second. Oh, yeah, it looks like uh, Hector uh, had sent us a message saying that he was just listening to episode 8. Oh, he said that he was listening to one of the episodes and he was mentioning how... Um, he thought he he had asked previously if he could get me to send the blue deck that I made, and I sent that to him. And then he sent a response saying, I've started collecting pieces to the blue deck you sent me. I've practiced with it some, using proxies so I can get the hang of it. The deck isn't very forgiving. And then he talks a little bit about, about that. And then he said he wanted to go to, the, to an F&M this Friday with a pet card of his um, I'm not asking you to put this on the podcast if you don't want to. Seems too casual, but if you had to, can you make a Spellbound Dragon, World at War, and Fling in the same deck and be semi-competitive? He said, "I'm not asking to go four and zero, oh, but two and two would be nice. Is it possible, or do the cards just not have enough synergy?" And then he finished listening to the episode, our previous episode, and said that he thought it was kind of funny because we just mentioned Fling and Spellbound Dragon together. Um, which I thought was funny. Uh, as far as his actual question, 
You know, I I think yeah, if, if you're just trying to to make a casual deck, but something that can go maybe two and two, it's without a doubt possible. And if you surprise people with it, it's possible to do better than that. Uh, how do you feel about that, Bimi? Anytime, it depends on his meta that he's playing with. If you can catch people off guard, absolutely, you can do some serious damage. Like we've said before, if you have decks that no one's playing or no one has an answer for, you're going to be able to do better than the rest of the field. And you can sneak something in. I mean, we like we said before last week, who would have thought Soul Sisters would have been a legitimate T1 deck? Yeah. And it is. It's good. Did you ever look at that there, uh, Sandwich? Did you see the Soul Sister deck? Uh, which one was that? It's uh, the one, uh, it's it's uh, like Soul Warden and Soul Attendant and all this, and it's life gain, and you're just trying to gain life and build up your, like, a Johnny Pride Mates and until you can, you know, either swing with gigantic Johnny Pride Mates or you can swing with the 6-6 six, six Flying Sarah Ascendance. 6-6 uh, six, six Flying Sarah Ascendance? Yeah. I was kind of telling you a little bit about it the other day when we were talking, but I was wondering if you just if you had looked at it. It's not a big deal, man. It's it's just one they it was played at uh at nationals and it's uh all over like Magic Online and everything right now because of it. So uh, let's see. I I'm not really seeing uh, anything other than deck lists right now. It's kind of hard to weed through my email at the moment. So. We can either get started on deck lists, or I can talk about the logo contest. Maybe we should save the logo contest for the end. Make sure that our contestants have something to wait for at the end. Okay. Sounds good to me. So, I guess we will go ahead and go over deck lists. We'll take a call from Cortland and have him go over his deck list with us. Is that cool? Good with it. All right. Sam, was you good with that? I don't want you oh, falling yeah, asleep man. like Ben do always does, man. I'm awake. I'm with this. <laughs> All right, dude. Moment. All right, so we are taking a call from Cortland once again to discuss his deck of the week. Cortland, you here? Hey, yeah, hey. Hey, what's, what's up, up, man? Not too much. All right, so... Chilling out. What was that, just chilling out? Yeah, just chilling out, you know, as usual. Yeah, working hard. Oh yeah, awesome. So uh, okay, the the deck of the week here is your. Is this again your Titan deck? Is that what this is? Uh, I sent in a, a mass a mass polymorph deck that me and one of my friends uh, worked on. It's um, he actually has the deck, but he's changed it quite a bit from what we started off with. I just sent basically our first Oh, okay. Uh, I was just it. on the wrong one. I was clicking on your uh, previous link, so that's cool. Okay, Alright, yeah. so yeah, blue-white mass polymorph deck. Yeah. Okay. Um, basically, our, our thought of it was that um, the, the blue-green one is pretty solid, but it just doesn't have the control okay. that uh, UI control has. And um, so we figured we'd just uh, experiment with it. And he he uh, found this card. I can't quite remember the name of it. It's uh, the one that spawns tokens. Um, 
That Elspeth crazy guy? No, not Elspeth. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> Talking about Conqueror's like, Pledge? Yeah, Conqueror's Pledge. Yeah. Uh, he, he, like, found that card. He's like, dude, this, like, is a pretty cool card. Like, he was just going to use it for uh, just pure DPS in his, um, in his, or not DPS, but his, um, a win condition in his deck um, because instead of using Marshall Coop or something. Um, and then I was like, wait a second, like, that could work with Mass Polymorph, right? The, yeah, absolutely. Cool. I was like, yeah, like, why don't you put that down? Because basically um, what it does is it's like, I think it's like, what, seven, six, six mana? And it's, it summons like... It's five six, for six uh, soldiers, yeah. Yeah, five for six uh, one one soldier tokens. So basically the idea is, is that you're running a control deck, so you have a lot of control, and you're not really working on the early game. Okay. And then you uh, put that down, or you marshal coop, and or coup or whatever right pronunciation is, but um you do that you get your you know six tokens and in his deck he is running uh four wall of omens which you'd be like well why would you run that if you're you know running a polymorph deck that seems kind of stupid but if he's polymorphing into six um units uh or monsters I should say it will it it doesn't matter if he has four walls of omens. Right. Well, and ideally, you're going to be sacking one or two of the Wall of Omens yeah. anyway, because you're hoping to see those early. So, exactly. yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. So is that basically... Have you played this yet? Uh, he has played it, yes. Oh, he and has played it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was more of a deck that we developed for him, because he already had a U-White deck, mm-hmm. um, minus some of the cards. Um, but... He he's developed it now and he seems to like it quite a bit. It's it's only a little bit different. He doesn't have any Elspeths, which is something that we wanted, but um, just because they're rotating out, he didn't really want to commit, you know, forty bucks for them. Okay. But anyway, um, for the deck, basically, you summon the the tokens and then you mass polymorph into six uh, creatures. Right. And the idea is is that, well, you're probably going to have at least one Wall of Omen down, so that cuts down on Wall of Omens. He has uh, Emrakul, Iona, and, um, like, three main players. Okay. So basically the idea is that hopefully you get an Emrakul and Iona, which is basically you win right there. Because there's not really much. I mean, you, you do Iona, you say their color, what can they do, right? Right, right. Well, what and happens? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't used mass polymorph. What happens if you say sack six tokens and you don't have six creatures in your deck? Is it does it just like negate the whole spell, or is it uh, does it only pull out five? Does it say like up to six creatures? Um, I believe it destroys all of your creatures, but it. Um uh, you can only get so many out, obviously. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure if you end up, like, decking yourself because of it, you know, or some. I mean, not decking no, yourself, but if it's, like, the equivalent of that. See, I haven't played Mass Polymorph yet, and I know it's still a relatively new card, so I wasn't sure, you know, what the what the stipulation yeah. was on it. Well, I mean, I guess logically it would go into an infinite combo. Right. That's, that's what I was worrying about. Because you technically keep going through your deck forever. Right. But I think... I, I'm sure there's some way to get around. I'm pretty sure it actually just stops. Okay. It's basically exile all creatures you control, then reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal that many creature cards. So 
I'm assuming if it says that, then if you get to the bottom, then you're done. But I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, because I was going to say, because there's only technically eight creatures in here. For some reason on the on the list here, it shows 14, but it's listing like Elspeths and Gideon and, uh, you know, Jace as creatures. Uh, I'll real quickly just say what this is so that people that are actually listening have a clue what the hell we're talking about. But uh, three Baneslayer, two Elspeth, one Emrakul, one Gideon, one Iona Shield of Emeria, three G- Jace the Mind Sculptor, three Wall of Omens, two Conqueror's Pledge, two Day of Judgment, two Everflooring Chalice, four Mana Leak, two Martial Coup, three Mass Polymorph, two Mind Spring, two Oblivion Ring, and three Path to Exile. The rest is land. Which of course you have like things like Celestial Colonnade and good stuff like that in there to uh, the Manlands in there to stomp some face if you get board wiped or whatever. But um, I think one of one of the Beamies uh, concerns, I guess, would be the same concern that I would have. I know that there is a lot of removal in here, but is this something where you'd see? like your early game getting into a really dangerous situation because, you know, like maybe three path to exile isn't quite enough against Naya or something, you know. I, I'm just I'm just wondering, that the, the early game thing, I think that's what... Isn't that what you were saying, Bimi, is that you thought that, that the early game might be a little scary? Heavy aggro um, would be the bane of this deck. Now, if he's playing against blue-white control, he's perfectly fine. But anything at all that has serious aggro to it could cause this deck to be in difficulty before it gets going. And that could be a problem. Some Soul Sister action. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um... Well, I think this is just the... This is, like, literally the first um, deck list that we made for it, so it's actually evolved quite a bit. I believe he put in... uh, I think he has four paths and a couple uh, condemns inside of it now oh, as well. Okay. Yeah. As well as, like, I think he has four chalices to help him ramp a lot faster. And I believe he also took out, um, I think he only has two mass polymorph inside of it now. Okay. And um, so it, it, he kind of, like, went away from... It's like, it's a combo deck, but it's still a U-White control. Like, right. he doesn't have to wait to get the combo off to win. He can put out a Baneslayer, and that's, just, like, if you right. can't stop, you lose. Like... He said, like, literally, like, when we were playtesting, um, like, at least, like, 20-30% of his games, he won just from getting a Baneslayer out and, that, like, no um, no way to answer it. So, right. Well, that's the thing. I think one of the things that's awesome, though, you know, and I hadn't really thought of until you mentioned that, is a lot of, most people, in fact, when they see this, are going to think they're playing blue-white control. And that's a really good benefit because... If you're thinking you're playing blue eye control, you're thinking, oh, this is slow, this is slow, they're going to kill me with man lands, you know, whatever. And and then all of a sudden you're like, Mar- or I mean, Conqueror's Pledge, you know, and then the next turn it's it's three Bane Slayers and Emrakul attacking. Uh, that would be pretty amazing, you know, after you get the mass polymorph off to be able to stomp people in the face like that for sure. Yeah, exactly. That's like kind of the way we were like looking at it. We're like, okay, well, you're basically taking a a, a very strong deck. Um, basically, it's basically the, almost like a tap out, but you just take out like you know a few cards, take out some Gideons and stuff, and you just throw in like you know, I mean, like think about it: two Conqueror's Pledge, 
and and two mass polymorph. That's four cards you're trading out, and uh, Emmercool and Iona, and I mean, so I mean, you're really looking at not really you're not really trading much out, and you're getting a uh, a random uh, combo that can literally make you win the game, and uh, especially against some decks like uh, one of my friends made a uh, our uh, red white deck. Um, that was like kind of life gainy based. It wasn't Soul Sisters, but it was like a, a different kind of uh, more of a life link one with the pride mates and stuff. But um, he made a deck and he was at like 60, 70 life. And my friend just used his um, mass polymorph and basically killed him in one turn because he hit for like 60 because he has like Bane Slayers and Emrakuls and Iona's out. And I mean, once that gets out, I mean, you're, you're basically gone. You can't really do... If he hits Iona, you basically lose at that point anyway. Right. So, the way we looked at it was is that it's taking a very strong deck, putting in an extra win condition that surprises most people. Like, my friend was talking about, he was at... Uh, he was fighting one of the guys, actually. I think he was... He went to Nats, Canadian Nats, uh, from Nova Scotia in our area. He went against him, and... Uh, he did Conqueror's Pledge. The guy's like, oh, okay, whatever. I'm a one-one token, so I don't really care. Right. And then he mass polymorph next turn, and he had a board of, you know, big, giant beats, and he was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. You know, like it's just it's a really good shock value, and it catches a lot of people off guard. So it's almost like a rogue, a rogue deck of sorts, I guess. Uh, I really like actually I like the sounds of it more though the more that I looked at it you know at first I was kind of like in agreement with with Beamy and uh, and and now looking at you know the control until you can do some surprising things is pretty it's pretty awesome we've got someone that uh, wants to join in here Beamy I think this is a call that we just have to take so I'm going to go ahead and uh, invite him in to BS with us a little bit here well then, okay. Is that cool? Let's BS. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. What's up? How you doing? What? Oh, we're taking a, 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 a we're adding a, inviting someone to join here. Hello. Hello. What's up? What is up? Not to, well, I was actually online, so I thought I would give you guys a call since I promised for about two straight weeks here. Oh, man. Well, we definitely appreciate it. It's always good to have Tom joining us straight off of Monday Night Magic. Wow, how the uh, heck did you pull this one off? Uh, this is what happens when you don't have a job. Oh, really? I thought you I thought you did have a job, but you haven't started yet. Exactly. I have not started yet, so I am here petting the cat and on the computer. <laughs> Very nice. Well, that. at least the cat isn't like coughing up any hairballs or anything right now. So no, you good. may hear it here. It's uh, it's about a thousand years old, so it's just kind of laying about. <laughs> Very nice. So uh, you you didn't actually do game day, and you know I heard you kind of like gloss over that, but you didn't really say much about it. What ended up happening again? Uh, very unexciting. Is my wife had the day off, so we actually ended up going hiking. Which oh, what what we did it was a very nice Saturday. Oh, okay. So you didn't, like, suck her into playing any magic while you were out hiking or anything, then? No, I have shown her some magic cards, and she knows what they are, and that's... <laughs> like, she can identify a magic card. I don't know if you put that next to a Yu-Gi-Oh card. I don't know if that would be able to be <laughs> differentiated, but... 
Well, Yu-Gi-Oh is kind of anime, though, right? So that's like, like. Uh... Yeah, that's probably not up my bucket, which I've gotten a lot of hate <laughs> mail about that. <laughs> yeah, manga. Just remember, it, it it's pronounced different than it looks. That's the main thing. Okay, that might be because it's one of those things. Whenever I see the word, it just it's it sounds it looks like manga, but it's it's manga. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I always call it manga, but it's more just to annoy people than it is to you know because I don't know what it really is or something. So yeah, <laughs> we're uh, we're just uh, we were just going over a deck list actually. Cortland here from Canada is uh, is he's a pretty uh, frequent contributor to the show, and he sends us deck lists. We were just talking about his mass polymorph deck. Do you have anything that you're currently working on there? Oh, for standard stuff? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I know you're a DDH much. man, so. Well, he does fun decks like I do. He has fun with his decks. <laughs> I guess the most recent standard stuff would have been doing the the blue-white, I guess what you call it, Soul Sisters, is what they ended up calling it in the end with Conley and Gavin. That was about the most recent thing I've done. Oh, you went with blue-white on the Soul Sisters? Yeah, because I actually I picked up uh, Conley for national, so we went back to the hotel room, and he and Gavin were working on this, you know, kind of morphing this blue white life gain into more of an aggro deck. And oh, I got ya. Yeah, because I saw the one that the one that I saw from nationals was just mono white. Now, I don't know if he like changed that to mono white after he was hanging out with you or. We we had blue in just for a little bit. We weren't sure if it needed like mana leaks, but then they end up the end just went with brave the elements and just made it just straight mono white. That was pretty pretty big beat down deck and really surprised a lot of people. I've actually kind of mo- made a modified version of it with uh, like the life gain portion of it, which I had kind of done before Conley had, had uh, you know leaked it out to everyone at the nationals, but. I'd done something similar to that, but then I took this Sacrifice deck and I kind of combined the two, so there's like Life Gain and Sacrifice all in one deck. It's pretty it's pretty cool. It's not uh, quite as consistent because your, your, uh, the uh, protection spells and everything don't work for all the creatures since there's a lot of black creatures in there, but... Okay. Yeah. So what, what, uh, what do you do other than that? Uh, you got any EDH or anything like that going on? Yeah, well, the EDH, I'm... I'm constantly working on the Mathematician's Wet Dream deck. That is the kind of the <laughs> constantly changing deck that I have. Oh, okay. So I got Pendril Mists and a couple of other cards for it. Oh, okay. Very nice. Very nice. Still making and use I'm, of those deck boxes? Yeah, actually, I'm using all of them right now because I think I have three EDH decks together. That is awesome. Reach, reach my magic bag. Oh, God. It's so close. There we go. <laughs> you got three EDH decks? You're saying you got three of them? Yeah, I have. What do I got? What do I have? No, I have three. So we got. There yeah, we got. Mathematician's Wet Dream. I have Patron of the Nazumi for rats. And what else do we got? Oh, and I still have Experimental Kraj. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, I figured Kraj still had his home. Well, I do have a quick. I do have a quick question to jump in here, quick. Do um, it. When you're sitting there watching them deck tech, uh, they were. That were they acting? Were they acting like you were there, or were they kind of just so, or were they just kind of letting you listen, or what was the whole deal behind that? I was I mean, kind of to be a lot of watching. I was kind of just more watching. He and Gavin were sitting at the table and doing. I think Gavin was playing with a Jun deck. I think when they were doing some play testing with it. But and we were just kind of talking about cards. I had 
we had raided my card collection for a lot of the kind of commons and uncommons for that deck. So if I ever get those back is an excellent question. I have no idea. <laughs> well, yeah, at least it'd be a lot of fun to just sit there and just hear them just go over things and actually to be able to look at them and go, wait a minute, so this is how it all comes together. This is how two great minds put stuff together to make it happen. It had to be cool. Yeah, it was fun just to see Conley. You hear people's voices all the time, and you finally get to meet them in person. It makes it a little bit more realistic for you when you talk to them the next time online. Did he give you some of his baby powder just so you could yes. try it out? And he see? had some in his bag. I, I asked him if he had it with him, and he did. Did he oh. give you a shot of it just so you could see you could see how the baby powder actually felt and you know experience it for yourself? It was no, I, I honestly didn't want to try it. <laughs> like I know where I know where that thing has been. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Luckily he doesn't like scrape the baby powder off when he's done and put it back in the baby powder container. That would be the real problem. Yeah, if he was really budget minded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I guess if he's able to, you know, fly all over the country for these uh major events, he probably can afford new baby powder. But I mean seriously, have you had you guys ever heard of that before? I, I knew of babies using baby powder, but other I, than I mean, that, like, adult men. No, using. no, not really. I knew that they had, like, baby powder in, you know, the cologne sections and things, like some masculine-smelling powders, but I didn't know anyone actually used that. You know, the only people that really have ever heard using that are sometimes pro-athletes because of the incredible amount of sweat that's generated. and That's chalk, you know. Man. That's no, 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 That's no. Powder. <laughs> they don't put chalk down there, man. Trust me, they ain't putting oh. chalk down. <laughs> yeah, no. we're not talking about pool sticks, man. We're talking about you know yeah. those little blue cubes. <laughs> is what he's talking about. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just in case you don't know, Tom, this is the uh, voice of the Beamy here, and Sandwich is the one who's uh, talking about chalk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's tough when you don't like. Well, actually, if I watch Skype, I can actually tell who's talking because the little lights show up. Oh, very good point. And Cortland's just in awe of the the Revered Tom on the show, so yeah. he's just kind of totally silent. I just like message my friends. I'm like, oh my god, I'm talking to this guy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea what he's talking about for standard. Whoa. No, it's cool, man. <laughs> If we actually talked about anything that made any kind of sense on here, then it might be a problem. But, you know, we kind of, we're falling in the footsteps of Monday Night Magic and really just kind of rambling. Didn't that one user, one fan say, uh, we're like a serious take on uh, Manipul or something? They said that. more serious? Oh, that insult thing? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Said that we're serious. It's pretty funny. Hey, it's me. Yeah, well, nothing wrong with that. Hey, you know. There's nothing wrong with having that stigma. Yeah, and have you guys had any experience with hate mail yet? Has that oh, happened? Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get hate mail all the time. So I'm waiting through the hate mail from the episode from yesterday. Right. Really? Now. Yeah. Well, what just... hate mail could you have had from yesterday's episode? Really? Oh, Seriously? Let me pull it up here. <laughs> nice. This, uh, this this centers around... Um, did you guys, by any chance, listen to yesterday's episode? I had a two-and-a-half-hour drive to Baraboo and a two-and-a-half-hour drive back. And you and the Manipool were the two shows I listened to on <laughs> there and back. 
So I think it was the last email I read. For some reason, I decided to read in that sultry voice to just give Marcel the feeling of how really smooth and buttery his voice is. Right. That person apparently did not like that I did that. Why is that? Like, he just thought you didn't sound right? Yeah, so I'm I'm going to chop out some parts of this, because some of it just doesn't even make sense. Like, the English is so <laughs> horribly spelled, I can't even say it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, beginning, this is the last time I try emailing you people. Uh, where is it? I do not have one of those gay swamp royal in... It's supposed to be inbred, but it's inbreded, like I-M-B-R-E-A-D-D. <laughs> royal inbreded southern voices. This was actually meant to be a warning to Marcel. Uh, have you ever what? been to a county fair? Basically, he's trying to say that his voice was hypnotizing people. What? And then he said, it also says, and yes, Jack, your voice is ugly and crud, much like you probably are. Wow. I wonder I wonder <laughs> I mean, if this dude is wearing, like, a pointy white hat or something. I mean, this guy just sounds messed up. Yeah, you, you, I wish we should just... I guess I should have saved these over the time just to have an all-hate mail episode. That, that would be a great idea. Yeah, we, we had some issues in the X actually a few episodes ago on the... Uh, in the in the con, uh, comment section on MTG Cast, oh, yeah. as a matter of oh, fact. Oh, did, did you did you email me about this? I oh, know. I did. So. Oh. Okay, I, I was trying to remember. I can't remember if it was you guys or, or um, one of the other shows that had the amazingly long negative comment. In oh yeah, friends. yeah, we did. I didn't know that Beamy sent you anything about it, but yeah, it's uh, we we actually smoothed things over though, and we we had uh, he's I think he's probably going to be listening, you know, regularly. But he's he's a pretty decent guy. Just for some reason, we rubbed him the wrong way, and once we talked everything out, it was okay. But man, it wasn't good for sure. Yeah, that's always a very common thread. If you don't change X, I'm gonna stop listening. Yeah, and then I just say basically, I'm not going to change anything. And then and we, obviously you like us because you wouldn't have already listened to all the episodes we've been on. And then they change, or they don't. So. Yeah, or they just stop listening, and then you're right. just happy at the end anyway. Yeah, right. And then I don't have to deal with it, so it's all good. Yeah, that's the one thing. That's the one thing I've always. I mean, you know, there are there are certain shows throughout the uh, MTG network here, that cast network, that are a little edgy. Okay, <laughs> but, but everybody has that. You guys are like non-edgy at all. I mean, just, okay, the B-movie thing, that's funny. I and I understand that. I get it. I actually laugh at most of those things. But there's nothing edgy. Oh, okay, the talcum powder thing or, you know, the doctor thing once in a while. I don't find that edgy at all. And I don't know what the hate on Jack is. I, I Someone commented that my my former humor was like Jack's, and I took that as a compliment. Like, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, the, Conley is edgy in himself, but that's yeah. most people love that about him. But yeah, I mean, Jack, Jack just—I think the very first time Jack was ever on, actually, Tom, I—I I think I sent you an email. I was one of the many people that sent you an email saying, "What is up with this guy? <laughs> like, he should <laughs> not be on here." Yeah, and then finally, you know. Now he's a great contributor to the show, and I don't think anyone should be complaining. And I actually sent him an email saying, "Hey, man, uh, I was one of the many people that sent him an email saying, don't let it get to you. It happens to all of us. We all get hate mail, and you know, no one. I don't care about the people that don't like me. In fact, I kind of enjoy it. So, 
it makes it makes podcasting very interesting. That's all I'll say. Well, you know, I mean, they they say that uh, that you, you'd it's better to be loved or hated than in between, right? So it just gets you a little bit more listeners anyway. It's one one way or the other. You should be on one side of the spectrum or the other. So at least that's the way I took it when I you know in communication. So oh, yeah, and I think I and I probably put it in there as I I think. I think I might have said to you and I replied that I could well I could insulate my apartment now with the amount of hate mail that you get you just <laughs> kind of ignore it or and sometimes you can just enjoy it. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, hey, like I said, people are obviously people are listening if you're getting hate mail. Yeah, and then and we had that one listener wanted to hear like the pre and post show banter and I don't think we're ever ever going to do that. Oh, I would love to hear that. You should you should put yes. like a like an episode of just a uh, you know, just that out, and the like, put like a warning on it or something, so that people could uh, could listen to it if they wanted to. But the four-year-olds out there could turn it off when they wanted to. And I th- and, and Marcel has been he's been a ton of fun to have on the show. Where did you find Marcel? I mean, I I enjoy him, and I and I'll tell you this. I like you talked about this week when he did is when he kind of busted it in himself by doing the podcast by himself. I really enjoyed it. I thought for flying solo, which is difficult, as Tangent can tell you, I thought it was awesome. I thought he was right on point. He had great transitions. I had no problem with it at all. I thought it was wonderful. I where did you find him? So we used to have a voicemail line where people could call in and leave a voicemail. We'd play those. Yeah. Unfortunately, after a while, we just had too many where it was taking a lot of time. It was like 20 minutes of voicemails. I'm just like, it, it actually takes a lot of work to record those, edit them, play them. So we, I'm just like, I'm bagging this because otherwise I'm going to go nuts. But Marcel from Oakland was probably one of our most common people to call in. And, but I'm trying to, and he, and he was on the live show. And we had always said that when we a new set came out, he always wanted to come on as a kind of a guest host for one of those episodes. So we finally were able to make that happen. He was just a, a really cool guy. And, th- and then he also made me put my foot in my mouth. How did he do that? <laughs> well, I, this is me. I'm, I, we all have biases. And, I, and when I first started talking with Marcelin from the voicemails, he, he and his friends do this YouTube show called Hood Chefs with a Z on the end. Okay. And it's kind of like an inner city cooking show. Usually it's a lot of grilling and things like this or, or in their kitchen. And when I've watched this... You know, I watch every episode. Like in my mind, every single person I saw on there was either black or Hispanic. And when I was hearing Marcel's voice, when I hear him, I think very white. So I think a big black guy. Right. <laughs> so when Marcel first started being on the show, we were get, you know we hit, it was run at the same time we got this question of race and magic cards, and we kept you know handing it to Marcel. And it was like the <laughs> after the second show, he's just like, "Hey, Tom." Yeah, you know, we were just talking. I'm sure he's like, "Do you guys realize I'm not black, right?" <laughs> There's just dead silence for a minute. I'm like, no, I'm like, I actually thought you were. I, 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 th- I thought he was kidding. He's like, no, I, I'm actually a Jewish white guy. I'm like, wow. Really? So we, we were friends on Facebook, so I was looking at his photos, and I'm like, he, he is correct. So we, we bonded after that. Wow, that's that's interesting. I, I oh. didn't know that either. I just assumed. Oh. So basically, you, you just have Eminem on the show then. <laughs> yes, because his voice is <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that's that's crazy, man. Um, wow, I did not know that, but that's that's good to know because I won't put my foot in my mouth the same way. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. 
Crazy. So uh, that is yeah, that is exactly, breaking news, though. Yeah, it is breaking news. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what exactly is ragdoll kittens, Tom? Okay, so I I, I won't derail your show anymore. But no, no, so, feel free. Ragdoll yeah. is a breed of cat. I had never heard of them until obviously all the listeners know my uh, kind of obscene love for cats. Right. Uh, but I had this one of my best friends. I've known him since we were like, you know, fourteen. He was moving to New York City, and he's the one other cat guy I know where he likes cats a lot. Okay. And he had this cat. It was like seventeen, named Max, and it was called a Ragdoll, which is this breed where the cats have no. They're basically so docile they have they aren't able to defend themselves. Like they can't <laughs> go outside and things like this. But it makes them like the coolest cats you've ever had, where you can actually like, pose them and wear them around your neck. Wow. I have never heard of that before, but that's pretty interesting. So we just got this cat. It was just the nicest, coolest cat I've ever had. And that its breed was a rag doll. <laughs> so one time when my wife came home, I you know it's one of those things where my computer sort of faces. We have a kind of an office second bedroom, and I was clearly browsing the internet, and I heard her come in the door. So I started quickly closing you know browser windows, and she's just like, "What were you looking at?" Because <laughs> she thought I was looking at pornography. She's like, right. "Hot Tom." <sighs> Finally looking at pornography. So and she knows enough up here to say, you know, pull up the history, what were you looking at? And I was looking at pictures of ragdoll kittens. Wow. Pictures and then, then you're like kittens. even more embarrassed because yes. you're like, I'm yeah. looking at ragdoll kittens. No, really. Which is probably just as embarrassing. And <laughs> it's a bit more manly, I think, to be looking at pornography than, you know, pictures of kittens. Yeah, I think it would. Yeah. No, no, I agree. <laughs> wow. So uh yeah, since we have uh Tom on here. Beamy, you have any questions or anything else you were wanting to ask him? Yeah, are, I, are, I just, are we recording right now or not? Oh, we are actually recording. Oh, yeah. sweet. There so, we go. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't well, want to I've miss all that. Been, I've always been curious. You, uh, it, it just seems like you uh, you get a lot of news, which obviously you guys do a lot of research for and stuff like that. It always seems like there's no like there's no stop in the synergy of the show. Uh, it just seems like everything flows really well, and it's not like, well, we've done this for how many now? Seven? Eight? This is seven, right? With us? That was like 17 or something. Uh, so, no, oh, it is. Just it's, him and I. Yeah, this is oh, like 19, okay. but yeah, just, I think it's been, I think you started on episode 13 or 12 or something, so this is yeah. like seven, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's funny, you guys have smooth transitions between everything, and it's funny. I just it, it amazes me every week. It's like, okay, we're going to do this, and then it's like all suddenly everybody seems to stop at the right moment, and then it's boom, right on to the next subject. And I find that quite impressive because, like I said, you're just doing the same thing I am right now. I'm staring at my screen, seeing four names on my screen, and attempting to have a conversation with four people I can't see. Well, A, that you got to get a Jonas Brothers poster because that's one of my tools right. that I use. right. And I will send you a picture of this Jonas poster because it's no normal Jonas Brother poster. What exactly does that mean? It's uh, like a <laughs> retro... So, 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 yeah, what we found out is, I think it's like Snapfish or one of those different places where you can print photos, is we were browsing for my buddies is really into Transformers, Star Wars, those sorts of things, and you could actually, if you sent a picture in of them, they would cut them out and then put them into a movie poster. So it was like a picture of like Optimus Prime holding my friend. It was a picture from a, t- picture from a Twins game. 
And when we, this is actually, I just got back from Puerto Rico. We went to the same place, Puerto Rico, a couple of years ago. And me, as being an ignorant Minnesota, I said, I don't get sunburns. I've never really had a sunburn. I'll be fine. You know, about five hours later in the Puerto Rican sun, that was a mistake. You know, just horrifically bright, you know, just that painful red. When you see on somebody else, you, you feel bad for them. That's how sunburned that was. Ooh. So wow. we finally, the next day I was putting on suntan lotion, and for certain, it was at the bottom of the bottle, so I had to kind of keep squeezing it. So if you can kind of imagine the pattern that that looks like onto your skin, it would look like potentially something else. Right. Yeah, it sounds so, really interesting, to say the least. So my wife thought this was funny, so we took a photo of it, and there's this, you can get yourself put into a Jonas Brothers poster. <laughs> So there's there's me without a shirt on, and that's all you can all you can see with this suntan lotion on that looks like something else. Standing with the Jonas Brothers. Wow, nice. And this is Tom rocking with Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> now I know why. At least why you're always talking about the Jonas Brothers poster and why you'd actually have one to begin with. So that sounds a lot better uh, for sure than what I imagined it to be. And That's it okay. sounds worse all at the same time. Now, have you guys ever done the Google searching game that we started doing on Monday Night Magic, where listeners will send you in a topic that you put into Google search with, with Safe Search off? Uh, I've not done the game, no. I, I, okay. I've not followed along with you. I'm usually on the road when you guys do that anyway. Yeah, for next time, if you ever want to try, we a listener sent in one that I just tried today that's pretty bad called, if you type in Blue Waffle... If you take the safe search off, it's disturbing. <laughs> Blue oh, that one's delicious. Yeah, you should <laughs> you should try that there, Cortland, and and let me know how it is. Especially at work, oh, yeah, would be man. a great idea. Oh yeah. So are you are you on Blue Waffle right now, Tom? I looked at it earlier today, and I'm not going <laughs> to do it yet. <laughs> What's the most disturbing thing that you've uh, typed into this with safe search safe search off at this point? Oh, I'm tr- I'm trying to remember what the, it was a a meme from a long time ago. Uh, it sounded like Godi. What was that called? Chody or Godi? It was basically if you type that in to Google Plus Safe you got this just horrible. What is it? No, I no, I don't know. I think there was just oh, a glitch God. on the uh, line there. Oh, it, it'll come to me later on. That was the okay. most disturbing picture I'd ever seen. <laughs> It it's kind of freaks me out to find out what the most disturbing picture that you've ever seen would be because that'd have to be pretty bad, I'd have to say. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more... It, when, it's, when it's not... I mean, something in real life is always more disturbing, I think. YouTube Goatsy, video of a guy getting a root canal or something. Goatsy, that's what I was trying to remember. If you type in... G, I think it's G-O-A-T-S-E, I think, or something like that. It's just a terrible picture. And Goatsy... Ugh. Yeah, G O A T S E. That sounds like it's going to be some sort of uh, there's no goat bestiality or something. But it's it's bad. <laughs> okay. All right, man. Ah, what? Oh, you look it up. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, Let, I, let's just say that's not <laughs> safe for the 12 and 13 year olds we have listening to the show. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I'm sure we have so many. <laughs> Very cool. Hey, it's it's definitely great having you on, Tom. Um, is there anything that you want to pimp on the show here? Since you know, not that anyone that listens to this show isn't already listening to your show, but anything that you want to throw out there, 
doing any what? video podcasts or anything anytime soon. Yeah, we'll we'll try to pick uh, pick that back up. Um, the one thing this would be something if you guys want to get involved with too. I want to have sort of a bigger contest. I think we're gonna be able to get our hands on at least two, maybe more, from the vault relic sets to give away. We <laughs> so Ooh. so we're trying to get some ideas for. So unfortunately, I already kind of blew my wad on the from the vaults contest because I already used that one. Right. So we're thinking maybe come up with like a new dual decks. Okay. Okay. New dual decks. Because we had a, we had a listener email in saying you know for ways to get his the way he got his wife to play magic was to make a deck with like pictures of like unicorns and like pretty horses on it. Awesome. So he came up with the deck dual decks Oprah versus Precious Moments. <laughs> that was That's awesome. Okay, cool. So a new dual deck contest for Monday that's what I was kind of throwing around it. and and right now the from the vault sets are kind of in negotiation, so I can't guarantee them yet. But I'm hoping to have at least two. Wow, that's pretty good. Very yes, nice. Yes, that is, no doubt. But if he says he does have a magic question, I actually do have a magic question for you. Um, with the, is it, is it Rotterdam this week? Where, where are they at this week for GP what? Which one are they at this week? Uh, uh the, like, you mean uh, Gothenburg was just this past weekend. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think there is anything right now. And then PT, PT Amsterdam will be basically the weekend after this. Okay, because everybody's flying out this week, which is making me think. I thought there was something this weekend. So, so next wait, weekend P- then? PT Amsterdam is the weekend of Grand Prix Portland. Is that is that? Well, Grand Prix Portland might be actually be this weekend. Grand Prix Portland is the eleventh, which is, I guess, if it would be the weekend, because I'm going to that. I'll be at Grand Prix Portland. I thought Conley was going, and like Gavin and. Not to mention like LSV and people like that. So, but everybody's over in Europe right now. Everybody's on plane flights. I mean, uh, all the Twitter verses. Everybody's flying over to Europe. Well, so, is there a GP for Paris or something? Or to be honest with you, I, I don't know. I thought I thought it was like kind of in between right now. I didn't realize there was something going on over there at this, this point. What was your question though? Oh, my question was, is looking forward to what we're trying to do this for fun is, is I'm more thinking of Worlds now coming up in a couple of, is it a month or so or something like that? If you had to pick five players in Magic, including two international, and international does include Canada, even though it's right next to us. If you had five people right now you could pick for Worlds that you think would do well right now, like in a fantasy draft... Who would you take? I, I bet I can guess at least two of them, just off the well, top yeah. of my head. <laughs> yeah, for two that I actually know. Be, <laughs> I'll, I'll pick Gavin and Conley; those are the able to kill me. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see. I mean, it seems like Sam Black has. I mean, like LSV obviously is always going to be a pretty safe bet. It seems like. Um, and would this be like a limited or? What worlds? Or, is worlds is multi-format. It's usually like all the formats, right? Okay. It's like extended, uh, limited, and standard. Uh, I mean, Brad Nelson seems like he's kind of on kind of the the upwards and upwards rise right now. And he's from North Dakota, so I have to give him bonus credit for Ooh, that. Ooh, there you go. Let's see. Uh, Sam Black I've always liked. I'm trying to think who for the... And then maybe... Okay. Uh, uh, LSV, maybe. I mean, this seems like I, his name I hear a lot for seems like everything. 
if you had to pick an international player, mm-hmm. anyone come to your mind outside of Sayedo, Sa- which is like everybody's first choice? <laughs> Not only is he going to make the Hall of Fame this year, he's going to, you know, he's already won in America, and, you know, he's one of the favorites to probably win Worlds, knowing the way he plays. Yeah, I'm is trying to, I mean, I was... I mean, Ken Oberg, I mean, he just won, you know, the GP, and he's one I've heard of before. I guess I could take him for an international player, because he's from, he's actually from Sweden, if I'm correct. Yeah, there you go. Correct. Yeah, because we, we, we want to do that for kind of fun. We did that for um, for Minneapolis, when they were in Minneapolis, and fortunately fortunately for me, I, I got very lucky with my two picks, so I'm never... Never going to complain when I uh, took uh, Michael Flores and Conley and I finished very well in front of the rest of my group, so I was very happy. Yeah, well, you know, sun shines on a dog's ass every once in a while. And who picked last? Me. So. <laughs> yeah, so, so well, that's cool. I, it's it's cool to, uh, that, that uh, we got Tom's picks anyway. I don't. I don't by, think by the very, competitive, very educated picks. Yeah, I was gonna say the competitive side is Tom's most. about him? <laughs> right, <Nick> exactly. <laughs> He's like typing up the uh, the player of the year right now to look at the look at the race to find out who's even contending right now. Yeah, because that's why when Conley's on, it's always fairly interesting because I'm very far on the opposite side of what he does. Which I think is part of what makes it so great, though, is because you get to listen to your casual side of things and then even ask the questions. You sometimes ask questions that I would like to ask Conley just because I don't necessarily know every side of that. Even though, you know, I'm trying to work towards getting onto the Pro Tour, it's like I... I, there's things that Conley knows because he's been there and he's done that, and he hasn't even really been doing it for that long himself. But it's it's uh it's always nice to hear when you're picking his brain about things for sure. Now, were you guys at all surprised about the whole? I mean, there's the whole gambling debate. We won't go into that again. Were you at all surprised when you, you know, kind of listened to Conley, where you know gambling is kind of part of the culture? Isn't since it sounds like you guys are, you know, that's kind of your end goal. Um, yeah, I wasn't, mostly because I've, you know, been paying attention to this stuff for quite some time. I mean, I was listening to Conley back in, in the days when he was back on the Magic School Bus, and they talked about that all the time on that show, about how, you know, they the different ways that they were gambling constantly and how half the people that are professional Magic players that retire go to some island and, you know, do gambling services there where you can do offshore betting and all that, and they just bet on all these little things. And how it's it's a real underground, you know, thing between Magic players to to gamble and bet on just about anything at any time for any reason. And not and not nothing serious most of the time, just like... You know, like Conley was saying, he he made a silly bet that he could eat a certain amount of food or whatever, and and that <laughs> yeah, kind of the, thing. Uh, the, the lady fingers, whatever those, the yeah, Italian dessert thing was like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You are an idiot, right? So you know, I mean, it, it's stupid stuff like that, but that's all the reason, the more reason why it's ridiculous to me that one of them's going to tattle on the other one, even though you know it may be your responsibility as a player. They're still. Aside from from the underground rules of magic players, where that state that you just don't do things, that you don't tell on each other for stuff like that, there's also just like man law, isn't there? I mean, you know, you just don't <laughs> go rat out people. Man that law. 
Well, I mean, really. It's, 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 it's man code. Man code, really. Seriously, I mean, there is, because fact of the matter is, is, you know, you were in elementary school and you did that, you'd be beaten up the next day. You just don't, you don't go rat on one of the people that you play with every day, one of the people that are, you know, you're, I don't know. Anyway, that's the way I feel about it. I think it's a little ridiculous, but. One of the reasons why gambling is so probably prevalent in it, it's like anything that has a lot of downtime. When you play your match, there's a ton of downtime. And if you're done, a lot of these guys hang around. I mean, how many times have we seen on GGS Live Brian Keebler spend an entire day doing it on there, and he was eliminated, and he'll spend the whole day doing game things on there. These guys, this is their mind is constantly running, and they're always thinking about how to get an edge on something. So, yeah, it can come down to, you know, one of the guys walking by, okay, he's not going to do this, or that guy's going to trip over that. It's it's what they do. It's, it's that kind of mindset of you're always on edge almost to try to come up with something different that can spar into gambling. I used to heavily gamble. It was, it was bad. But I understand where they're coming from as far as, yeah, you want to, if you've got downtime and nothing to kill, absolutely. I flip a coin 20 times. I bet you I'll get 12 heads. <laughs> I, I, I guess something that can happen. I just, I just guess I just don't have that bone in my body where I just don't really, I've done a couple scratch offs in my life, but that's about it. Yeah, well, I have the worst betting luck ever, so I just don't bet. Um, actually, uh, do you know who Norman Chad is, Tom? The the name rings a bell. He is the guy that he he's a sports columnist. He writes a national column, and he uh, used to write sports for AOL. But he all now he does the uh, World Series of Poker. Um, so if you've ever seen that on ESPN at all, he's usually the guy that's that's commentating on it. And uh, he is you know just a, he's a national sports columnist. I used to banter back and forth with him off and on about my horrible luck betting and at one point in time he he had he had his team of destiny that he picked every year he picked the San Diego Chargers one year several years ago to like go all the way to the Super Bowl that was his team of destiny and they started off like i don't know 8 and 1 and so i said hey you know you know my bad luck betting so i'm going to see if you're good luck at picking the team of destiny is better than my bad luck betting and from now on i'm going to bet every single san diego chargers game out to the rest of the year and his response back to me was why do you got to take me down with you so <laughs> yeah that's how bad my luck is that side of things i would definitely not get into if i was on the pro tour what are you going to do when you're with them I mean, outside of go out to the out to the bar and do karaoke and sing "Ice Ice Baby," but you know, <laughs> what have you seen that? No. Oh, there's there's a posted video of Brian Keebler singing "Ice Ice Baby" in front of had to be 400 people plus in there, and it's it's hilarious. Uh, Chapin posted a link of it uh, on Twitter, and it was great. I mean, it, it it's a horrible f- camera film from a phone, but I mean. What are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do when you're with them, then? Well, they don't want to sit and talk magic all night. Well, yeah, but you don't have to. 
you don't have to go out and gamble all the time. You can do other things. I mean, it'd be kind of cool to see Conley uh, singing Ice Ice Baby. That would be kind of interesting. I want to say I'm too, I'm too sexy for my shirt. That's why I always <laughs> that would be, him, so. Yeah, maybe you guys, Tom, next time he's he's in town, maybe you guys can go out karaoke and you can get him to do that and, like, record it on your, you know, on your phone or something. It's, it's a long-term plan. <laughs> by five-year five plan. Yeah, well, you got the the new video casting thing, right? So you, maybe you can just try and get him to do that on there and say, no, you're, we're really not recording. And then I need to get one of those, like, those like, pens that has like a little hidden camera in it. <laughs> yeah. Or the glasses with it right in the middle. There you go, Let's man. See. That's a great idea. See, then you can, oh, you know, see. you can actually, like, use that against him online and everything. So it's like, you need to be on the show this week. I have this. <laughs> It'll be nice when he's finally back from his kind of whirlwind tripping that he's doing for tournaments. Right now, he just doesn't have access to reliable internet to actually join us on the show. Right. Where I mean, where is he right now? Did you say is he he actually currently in transit right now? I, to be honest, I'm not sure if he's now in Amsterdam or if he's going to be at home for a few days before heading out there. That I'm not actually sure about. So he is in Amsterdam, or so he's like heading to Amsterdam possibly right now. Because that would yes. mean to me that 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 maybe Amsterdam is this weekend. Because I th- I swore he was going to be at the Grand Prix on the 11th, but maybe I'm wrong about that. So I thought the, I thought that started on. I play it up. I clearly I don't know what I'm talking about here. Cause no, I that's all right. Exactly Neither do I. So. And I'm typing that's one hand, which is ineffective. And that makes us quality podcast 101. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yep. I am pulling it up right here for GP Amsterdam, September 3rd to 5th, so that is this weekend. Okay, so it looks like okay. mystery so solved. So our picks need to be re- re- uh, right now. Excellent. That's even better. Well, yeah, but I think top- I, th- I think uh, the the under or where you confuse like car was was you said for worlds or something. Worlds. Yeah, I confused them. Yeah, you confused me also, but that's all right. <laughs> That doesn't take you much. Get, you get an avatar of woe. That's a nice looking one. <laughs> oh, at the at the Amsterdam, you do. Yeah, it looks nice. Oh, very nice. I can't remember what our Grand Prix card is right now. the The f- Grand Prix last year in Seattle, I got the uh, foil chrome mocks. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was probably probably one of the best ones I've done in a long time. Yeah, that was nice. Well, I will sit back and let you guys actually get back into your show. <laughs> Well, you can uh, you can feel free to to comment anytime you want to. There, Tom, you are more than welcome to either come on the show anytime or you know jump in with with comments. Are you still I can't there? Tell you what was that? I can't tell you how much we we really all appreciate you coming in because it's like you know I mean time and especially now that it's it's midnight your time too, man, because you're same time zone I am, you know, and. I appreciate I appreciate it. I know Tangent does. I know I know Sandwich does. I know Cortland does. And if Ben wasn't playing StarCraft, he'd he'd appreciate it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this, I have delayed sleep phase, so this is very very. This is a good time for me. Awesome. That's perfect. Good to know. Um. Well, you're like I said, you're always welcome, man. And and we appreciate everything, even just what you do for the community, having us on and. And hosting all these podcasts, and there's so many people that appreciate you that you probably didn't don't even realize how much how much respect you have out there. But uh, I'm just happy that we get enough money from the 
the couple of sponsors on the website that it completely covers its own bills now. That is my, oh really? Because for a while it's like hiding it from my wife. There, like, <laughs> fifty to hundred bucks a month on this. It's like, oh, how much does that cost? Like, oh, not that much. Nice. Well, that is good though. Uh, I'm glad that the sponsors are taking care of you finally. All right. So, what was that? Wait, I do have a quick question. Oh, go for how, it. Do man. you know? I'm so, apologize for you go. Is there a way of? I mean, how do you know how many people are tracking your RSS feed and things like that? Do you have any knowledge of that? By any chance? It's a, for the RSS feed, that I don't know much about. We use a Libsyn as our media server provider, and they're a very well-known podcast server. Because the cool thing is when you buy their, depending on what package you get with them, it's not like you get 100 gigs of space. You pay for so many gigs a month, and then uh-huh. so each month you get that space back. So it's perfect for people who do podcasts as because clearly you're going to be playing out podcast after podcast after podcast. And eventually you're going to fill that space up. But they make it so you, you get a certain amount per month. And that's what we use for the, all the MTG cast. Because some months can be up to like 2-3 gigs of stuff in a month. So a lot of content. So on there, there is some rough tracking of downloads through, the, through our media server. Unfortunately, with a lot of stuff going through these Flash-based uh, players... Those downloads are really, really hard to track. Okay. So a lot of times we have, to, we, have to hedge, we have to hedge the numbers and say, this is what we're seeing on the media server, but this is something that's going to change a little bit. And almost guaranteed when we get up close to a new set come out, like when Scars is getting close, downloads go up. Really? And as soon as the set comes out, downloads go down. You can, it's like a sine wave. You can just look at it for over a couple of years, and it's really impressive to see. Are you even able to say, like, you know, approximately how many like downloads you figure that that you receive like in a week or anything are you able to to guesstimate that or have you ever even released that to tell anyone let's see for for all of mtg cast or yeah for just show? for yeah for all of mtg cast just you know oh like, boy yeah let me actually pull it up here right now we'll do this live yay we'll, we'll, we'll hold Andrew, your breath everyone I'd, I'd ask for us but you and me only count for two Right, uh, Cortland right. downloads it, so there's three. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we know you, Sandwich you, doesn't listen. You'd be surprised. <laughs> I, I would pretty much guarantee, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I would guarantee at least five plus hundred. Almost guaranteed. Oh, really? Wow. That's pretty impressive. I didn't think I downloaded 500 times. <laughs> Let's see. So I would say, I'm just kind of looking at the uh, kind of download numbers for the last couple of months. So kind of total downloads we're looking at. Like eighty, ninety thousand, maybe. Wow, that's pretty take. impressive. Okay, so we have we have Monday night with forty thousand, and limited resources with at least twenty thousand of it, and the mana pool with at least another ten thousand of it. Okay, well then at least the rest of us with the other ten. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just looking at this here. I'm seeing how it's kind of going. You know, went up well, when the latest second month, and now that we're sort of in that lull in between, it goes down. Right. Yeah, that I mean that makes sense. You know, people want want the new information when it comes out, and after that, or just before it comes out, I should say. I'm sure and that I'm it, as it leads up to the set, people start, you know, listening for spoilers and all that. And I think I think Scars Mirrodin is going to be exceptionally high just due to the whole Opal Mox. I think because even I, I think pro players, casual players, everybody wants to know what the hell this is going to be. Yeah, I I think so. 
I like the fact it's how they're going to make this good and not suck. And if they make it a mythic, how is this not going to be a hundred bucks as soon as it comes out? Yeah, it probably will be. Yeah, it depends on what it is. People keep saying like star or sunburst or whatever. It just seems weird because that would mean like it would have to cost something, right? Yeah, and then you know the other one was you know giving it something like infect, where when you tap it, it does the damage to you with infect. But if you go into any sort of eternal format, you know, say like vintage or something, that'd be way busted. Oh yeah, they, they, they don't care. Right, they use it once or twice. Yeah, it's I don't prob- know about, probably just. I don't like, know about the rest of you, but I'm very much looking forward to infect. I, I have always had. I've always had an issue with with planeswalkers because well. A, they're priced out of my price range, and B, they just it just seems like when they come into play, especially Jace, it's like, you see it and it's like, okay, well, you're either going to shut me down or you're going to draw exactly what you need, and this is nice that it's something that can control that. Well, Beamy, you do seem like a guy who enjoys his infections. <laughs> and th- that, that relates directly to Blue Waffle. You have, you have <laughs> oh, great. To type that one in. Wow. Oh, Lovely. I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, you're not. You're really not. <laughs> Fortunately, one of us in here is in the medical industry can respect that. The uh, the rest of us, no, you don't really want Just because he knows it doesn't mean he enjoys it. So, I'm sure Tom's seen some pretty scary things. Yeah, I can't remember. Has, did I ever say the snake and the penis story on Monday Night Magic? Not that I remember that one. I probably would well, remember I can't for remember sure. Either. Okay, we'll we'll try to summarize this into like a two minute story. <laughs> okay. So, so when you're a medical, this would be a medical student. You you have to try all the different specialties to see what you like. Okay. So this was a surgery rotation where a guy got admitted because he he couldn't urinate, could not get any pee out. He asked me, you know, "Why is this? I don't know." So he got in. He got an ended up getting an x-ray of that area and you could see uh, bladder stones. Not all stones show up in x-rays, but these ones did. Okay. Um, so, unfortunately, they were, they were so large that they couldn't go in and break them up. They actually had to open them up and take the stones out. And, you know, nothing abnormal yet. These The stones are always sent to pathology to see what kind of stones they are, because depending on what kind of stone form or somebody is, you can put them on certain medications to help out with this routine. Where the story goes off the road is when the path report came back, you're, you're, you're hoping to think like, you know, calcium or something like this. No, it came back as being bone. As being what was that? A bone, like spinal column, like vertebra. Oh, oh. man. So, you know, you're the lowly medicine. They're like, well, you go, this is like 6 in the morning or 5 in the morning. It's like, you go ask him why the hell does he have bone in his bladder. And Trump up there. You know, why is this? He's like, oh, and now that you mention it, on weekends, <laughs> me and my buddy, we, we get baby gardener snakes and we put them up our penises because it, it feels good. Oh, my it feels God. Like, it feels like butterflies. That was the exact quote. Feels like butterflies. Yes. Like, who said oh, this? my God. Who said this? this? This was the guy. That had, so, the, so the stones were just the little calcified skeletons of the snakes. Clearly, it's a one-way trip. Oh, my God. Are wow. You sure you haven't been talking to Ben? And he said it feels like butterflies. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> so this was, I and mean, this is going to happen again. So to him, it was not a weird, like, this is what you probably do on like Friday night. <laughs> snakes and penis feel like yeah, butterflies. Get some Miller lights, get some snakes. Check. Now you know, if you've ever wanted that butterfly feeling there, Sandwich, you can go ahead and uh, just shove some snakes up there. Snakes, yeah. Yeah. Go down and get some snakes. Uh, well, now yep. we know what we've been missing. 
right. Butterflies. <laughs> yeah, and oh. when I looked in the ED, I collected all the foreign objects into different orifices stories, so I've got a, a ton of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've gotten the privilege <laughs> of hearing some of those. Yeah. Uh, okay, so snakes in the penis. That sounds lovely. Uh, looks like, oh. Beamy, is it, do I see that you and Cortland have a, another question to ask Tom about here? Well, since we're, since we're leaking promos for Scars of Mirrodin, the supposed worm coil engine. Ooh, it looks good. The pre release promo. Yeah. Oh, man. That's pretty that interesting for sure. Basically, they, basically, all these cards are kind of crapping on board sweepers. Mm hmm. It's mitotic slime, except for it's. It's really uh, good. Artifact. Yeah, colorless. It's a six-six death touch, and then you get two three-three, which is amazing. I believe it's a lifelink too, supposedly. Death touch lifelink, both. So, do you guys think it's weird to give a six-six death touch? Yes, yes, I do. I but have no problem with this. With the white titan or the sun titan with the six-six vigilance, I don't have a problem with that because that can be blocked. And I don't have a problem with the Infernal Titan because that I don't have a problem with. But Death Touch, man, that... It, it doesn't make a lot of sense just because of the fact that it's a 6-6 six, six anyway. But I, I don't know. I mean, I guess they figured, what are, what are you going to give it? It's it's already putting out two zombies anyway. So, you know, I what are you going to give it that's black that would... I, I would have given it, like, Lifelink or something, but... And you're right, it does have Death Touch and Lifelink. Oh, that one does? Oh, nice. Then when it dies, it poops out a 3-3 with Death Touch and a 3-3 with Lifelink. Oh, wow. Which is which is weird, because you know, you know, there's all these stories about they used to not like to have tokens that had different abilities, since there weren't at that time there weren't cards to represent them. So yeah, like, how do you keep track? And now they're putting out tokens that produce tokens that have yes. different abilities? Yeah, they're they're definitely uh, going back on all that. Tokens are going to start having more text than the uh, actual cards themselves. All. Well, look what's at the, the slime. What, yeah, the slime. What breeds slimes? And all <laughs> yeah, exactly. Slimes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I like it. Oh, of course you do. Have you have you tried your uh, your new slimes out yet? Yeah. No, I'm still waiting for my death clouds to come. They should oh, hopefully okay. come. Unfortunately, I'm, next week I'm going for to visit some family in the uh, bustling Mile City, Montana. Oh, nice. Which is on the eastern side. Oh, really? Oh, okay. It's still not too far from uh, from my from where I'm at here. Well, now, where are you from? I guess I'm, I honestly don't know. I am eastern Washington, Spokane, Washington. So. Oh, okay. I've, I've, I've driven through there. It's about the most I can say. <laughs> yeah, there's not too much to say about it. You know, I mean, it is Spokane. I, it's not Seattle, so. Yeah, and I'm from and I'm from the hometown of well, the current residents of Patrick Chapin in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So, we normally we normally crap on you because of the Vikings, but that's okay. We'll, we'll that, save we'll save the we'll save the sports talk for another day. Yeah, well, I, this is the first year I'm ever doing a fantasy football league because I I vote for the Vikings as are Minnesota, but otherwise I am very ignorant of football. <laughs> I'm a a baseball twins guy. Oh, okay. Oh. Very nice. That's another that reason we, why I'm jealous. Yeah, we we actually still play Stratomatic Baseball. Yeah. The D&D of baseball. 
Oh, wow. I still have that. I'm trying to teach my seven-year-old how to play, but unfortunately, his ADHD kicks in by the time we get to the third inning, and he's like, just let me roll, just let me roll. Like, oh. They still release updates. That's how cool it is. Now, do you have the computer version or the actual paper card? Uh, the My friends are hardcore. They are still paper. Oh, that's awesome. I have yeah. no idea what you guys are talking about. Oh, no, Tangent. If you want to talk about Stratomatic Baseball is the equivalent of what uh, paper card baseball would be if it was magic. It has complex... Very, it can be very simplistic rules or very complex rules for left and right hand matchups and so on and so forth. <laughs> Tom, Tom, yeah, Tom, it could be insane. It's it's spreadsheets. I mean, that's why I call it like Dungeons and Dragons for baseball because it's spreadsheets yeah. and rolling dice and, and it's, 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 if you want to, you can like weather. I mean, you can just get nuts if you want. Wow, to. Tom yeah. would appreciate this. Back back in my days of, and I still have them somewhere here in the basement. Um, I used to. We used to do a quote draft between the four of us, and literally, like you said, spreadsheets. I'd have it written down on the paper what the guy's total hits against lefties and total hits were against righties. And what I'd do is, if there was a guy who was an unknown, I would just sit on him and wait, and he'd like play like 50 at bats and hit like 350 with like four home runs, and his card would be loaded with hits. And then I'd pick him up late and say, Oh, yeah, Greg Jeffries. And they'd look at the card and they'd go, he batted 375. Who the hell is this guy? The back, yeah, look at the backup card. Who the hell is this guy? And all suddenly it's like, oh my god, the guy can hit for everything. And then when you play him in the lineup, he's going three for four with three home runs. It's like, yeah. So yeah, that's how ways, it can hit. There's ways you can cheat it. Yes, yes, you're right. Yes, there is. <laughs> but I mean, for, for the uh, worm coil engine, like for me as a casual player, I see this, you know, screams EDH because it's colorless, so you can put in anything. For you guys, a little bit more on the uh, competitive side, is does this excite you at all for something like standard at all? I mean, it is six mana. Well, yeah, but th- look how many cards are being played right now that are six mana. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, colorless too. Yeah, all the more reason, which means you could play control and still be able to play this. Uh, it's it's pretty good. I I'm, I think it'll find a home. It's just a question of what everything else is going to look like after rotation because it's almost impossible to base whether or not you're going to play a certain card off of just one card being spoiled. We really need to know what, get like a broader picture of what the rest of the landscape is going to look like first. Why are there no leaks on this stuff? We're like under a month and nothing's coming out. Well, I mean, not really, ever Ever since right. the whole Rankard L thing, they have really cracked down. I mean, just think about it, like the past like year, it's been the same boat. I mean, we are, it's really now we, we get the official, I, we want to call them previews or spoilers from Wizards, and otherwise the leaks are really zero. Yeah, I mean, Mana Nation will have, like, they'll spoil things a little before Wizards actually starts putting things up on their website. But other than that, there's no... Like, yeah, that that big, huge leak that happened a while ago. Other than that, I haven't seen any real, real spoils come, spoilers coming out. Nothing that's that they haven't desired to get out there anyway. I don't know. I, I This card looks good. I think that the, the Contagion Clasp looks pretty awesome. I mean, I, I just oh. think that would, would be fun to play with anyway. 
I was trying to uh, find a combo with that. Um, with um, there's like this land from Zendikar. It didn't work, but um, this land from well, Zendikar. Zendikar Magosi. Basically, yeah, Magosi. Yeah, unfortunately, but, uh, it returns to your hand. So yeah. Uh, but I was wondering with the Magosi. Um, it says remove an Eon counter from Magosi, the Water Veil, and return it to the owner's hand. Could you, if you had two Magosis? Could you just stack counters on one and return the the other one? Um, no, because when when you take at least the, from what we've seen of the reminder text for proliferate is you are choosing that permanent and then you are adding another counter of on that permanent of that type. So it's not like you you can't. Yeah, but I mean, one like, goes, and, and well, it's legendary. Land had, too. It's not. It's not legendary. Oh, isn't it? I thought it goes to legendary. No, Never mind. no, no, it's, it's not. not. Well, what I was thinking is, if you had two of them, I mean, this is way too many, too much work for a combo, but I'm just saying, <laughs> if you had two of them, right, and you put one counter on one of them, right, Yeah. and the other one doesn't have a counter on it, can you tap the other one and remove the counter off the one that had the counter on it? Uh, I'd have to actually look at the wording of the card again, and in a vacuum, it would be, I guess, it, it depends on the wording of the card, but it would be possible if the card is worded just right. But that's, again, in a vacuum, and no one's going to actually play that, yeah. because it'd be almost impossible. Exactly. Well, if it, I was looking at it, because I was like, wait, there's something to do with counters, and I was like, Magosi, and I was like, okay... But then it like returns to your hand, so I actually destroyed it. I was like, this is like the new time warp almost, basically, because it's like four colorless, and you right. could basically just get a bunch of of turns, right? Yeah, basically, but, if that was if it worked out that way, yeah. And for the worm coil engine, um, I was actually looking at um, you, you know how they changed around the rules with uh, death touch and trample. I was thinking sort of vengeance uh, on it would make it pretty ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure Sword of Vengeance makes anything pretty ridiculous. Well, yeah, with, with the well, Sword of Vengeance with the trample on it, right, would make it so, if you even if you blocked, it would still basically go through, so it would almost give it a pseudo-unblockable, uh, because if they block it, you only have to do one damage, and the rest gets trampled through because of Death Touch. Yeah, and, and it's an all-colorless combo, which is kind of nice. Yeah, that's right. an all-color combo, so you could run it in any deck, basically. In a colorless uh, EDH deck. That could work, <laughs> yeah. Although you'd almost want to go, if you were doing an EDH deck, you might want to go with white to get the Stoneforge Mystic in there, because that's a pretty, pretty good combo. Sandwich, holding, are you there? Dragon. I think yeah, Sandwich, oh, okay. Roll out. All right, gotta man. Go, like do real life stuff. So uh, you guys take it easy and uh, magic on. All right, man. Sweet uh, blue waffle dreams. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, just, oh, just horrible cauliflower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bruised cauliflower. <laughs> Rock on. Later, man. Easy sandwich. And I was also uh, looking at the, the the cat knight that was spoiled as well. It's uh, one and two white, flying two two. When it enters the battlefield, you gain two life. So uh, maybe knights is going to make a, a a reappearance, especially with the the lord that they uh, just printed in uh, M11. 
Oh, it's it's a possibility. I mean, it it depends. I think you're going to have to see more nights than just that, and I think also you might want to see some one casting cost nights too, or at least some some more uh, two casting cost nights other than the white night and black night. But it is definitely a possibility. Well, at least at the very least, at least it's a, a playable uh, night. Right. You know, oh yeah. Uh, even if I mean, nothing else, you could see it in some three for two two is in flying is pretty awesome. Right, right. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, still pretty uh, skimpy on the spoilers for for Scar, so it's hard for me to get too excited about any of it. I I like Memoricide myself just because I do have a tendency to like to play a lot of black, and I'd like to find that into the find have that find its way into my sideboard, but. Yes, and don't be surprised if there is a boatload of spoilers this weekend with with uh, the packs going on right now, the Penny Arcade Expo. Oh yeah, have this huge Mirrodin party there where they're going to be revealing a bunch of cards. Really? Oh, very yeah. nice. Uh, what day does that start? Is that is that a multiple day event? Yeah, I'll actually pull up the press release here. I just just deleted it not too long ago, so hopefully we can still pull it up here. There it is. So this is the Wizard of the Coast at PAX Prime, and it's called the Assault on Mirrodin Party, September 4th at 6 p.m. Wow. Very nice. Okay. Oh, they're going to be showing off uh, Magic the Gathering Tactics as well, a little bit more. Oh, the new, uh, isn't that a turn-based Magic the Gathering type game? Yeah, or it kind of kind of had more of like a grid look to it, where you play like cards or creatures, but then you could have like a strategic element where you can move them around. Yeah, they said it was going to be. Uh, it looked somewhat similar to Heroes of Might and Magic or something. I I didn't get a chance to look at that myself. Did, so potentially September fourth, we may be getting a ton of uh, previews for Scars of Mirrodin. Very nice. We will definitely keep our eyes out for that. Uh, let's see what's. Oh, okay. Sorry. I got distracted by uh, the chat window there. Um, cool. So I guess we should probably go on to some of this stuff here. Otherwise, this episode's going to be three hours long, and we're going to going to uh, steal all the bandwidth on the server. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we we have plenty. Don't worry. About that. <laughs> well, we do, we try and not not make the mana pool feel bad by actually having longer episodes than them. So you know, we don't want to step on Chewie's toes. Yeah, we love Chewy though. I know. Yeah. I mean, I, my drive today, my drive today back, I wouldn't have been awake if it wasn't for them playing their <laughs> multiplayer multiplayer chaos. Now, Tom, I guess actually that does make me want to ask: Do you ever even have a chance to listen to the other episodes or to the other podcasts? And I know that's kind of putting you on the spot, but I'm just curious if you actually have enough time. I know you've been doing this for so long now; it probably is just not something you really. <laughs> even want to bother with but do you ever listen to any other podcasts i do a lot of times it's it's not even that i have a favorite show is that i'll hear about a, a certain episode for a given series i'll be like that one sounds interesting i'll listen to that one gotcha yeah or once i'll get email saying wow these people were saying some horrible things you should go listen to this one i'm like oh okay i should go see what the hell they're saying on this one <laughs> He's he's got to watch out because the problem is is we give him nothing but love on this podcast. So you know, between yeah. that and all our other shows, we give love to. Every, every once in a while, you need that love. After you have like that tenth hate mail day, you're like, oh, 
I'm sad inside. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, they're not... How many times do they really point the finger at you, though? Oh, pretty often because of my... Since I'm the the most casual guy in the show and my knowledge of the Pro Tour and Grand Prix is what I'm reading off the screen, uh-huh. people will get... It's basically tantamount to smothering babies that I don't know much about. Vintage oh, or legacy. They, they get so angry. Well... I wouldn't definitely not take that too much to heart. It's like, without you, there wouldn't be a whole lot of magic podcasts out there. So, I don't understand I that. I don't understand that. They, when people listen to the podcast, they kind of listen to any podcast. You kind of figure out right away, A, what the, per, the people that are talking, what their kind of niche is right away. And... Um, what they know and what their strengths are and how they like to run things and I don't understand how people don't understand that. I mean if you want to do that then then go you know and go get one of the new podcasts, Scrubland. They are all knowledgeable about exactly what's going on in standard and they're doing stuff like that. If that's the kind of thing they want, go find them. You know what I'm saying? I I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, at some point we'll try to have a Maybe I'll do it, or we'll, if somebody wants to volunteer, do it. Almost like a podcast re- that tells everybody what each podcast is about. So now there's so many, it's like, how do you kind of figure out which one would be the one for you? Yeah, that's kind of funny, because we actually just had... Uh, was that... Who was that that was recommending that? Was that Carr that was recommending that? Yeah, I think he was recommending kind of just like doing... I mean, we had even talked about that, uh, spotlighting one podcast a week and kind of saying this is what this podcast is and this is who they are and you know what they like to talk about and if you're interested in that this is the direction you should go I mean it's an excellent idea actually maybe like for the Monday Night Magic show yeah exactly yes because I got a feeling there's you know there are a lot of podcasts listened to but you know it you guys are pretty much the mothership of the whole thing, and we're, we're kind of like the rest of the tree that spirals down from it. So, you know, you pick out, you know... Um, what kind of motherships do uh, do trees spiral down from? Exactly? <laughs> I mean, it's like this hydroponic where you grow the <laughs> tomatoes. I just got a hold of uh, three or four um, uh, hypergenesis, and I keep looking at that card, and I keep thinking of that. So don't, don't mind me. You know. <laughs> One of those weird things. Yeah, so, that is no, but that yeah, that would be cool. I mean, I mean, we were thinking about doing it, but if you you want to do that, I mean, that would probably be, it would reach a lot more people. Uh, that for sure. And and Monday Night Magic loves reaching out and touching people, right? So yes, we're all go. about disturbing mental images. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then we can then we can show, we can take credit for it on our show. More the merrier. It's one of those things where multiple people are doing it, that's even better. Yeah, this exactly. is more coverage for everybody to say, oh, that sounds like a podcast for me. Yeah, I think I think it would be great because you know it's I think it's cool that you have the uh, you know the RSS feed uh, that allows you to select what shows you want to listen to and everything. The only thing that worries me <laughs> about it, hose anymore. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The only thing that worries me though is when these when sometimes when new shows come on, that means that people might not realize that they're even out there if they don't go to the website and and look and see. You know, so they they've actually if we have a podcast or a way for them to hear about these shows. 
and then listen to them. If if there's a really high quality show that comes out, they may want to add it, but they might not know it's there. That's uh, true. You know. Um, well, hey, hey, Beamy, uh, Tom, again, you're welcome to to stay on if you want to. Um, we need to go over a few deck lists of people that that, yeah. that people have sent in here. Um, since it is getting rather late, uh, we'll oh, yeah. we'll start start go over a few of these real quick just to to give these guys some uh, some helpful pointers here. Um, and like I said, you're welcome to stay on, Tom, if you want to. You can discuss these or hear about these if you want. Um, it's up to you. I'll, I'll, st- I'll stick around for a little bit more here. Okay, cool. And if you if you need to bail, feel free to just interrupt me and uh, let us know. You'll, you'll hear the toilet flush. <laughs> nice. All right. <laughs> That's our show being canceled off the MTG Cast Network, the toilet flushing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I want to go down, for sure. Okay, so uh, we we had Ronald Murphy send a deck list to us. He said, I sent, uh, I guess he had sent one. It must have ended up in the uh, our spam folder or something. But he said... The deck does well, even though I don't have Jace 2.0, Gideon, Elspeth. It is a Titanic Planeswalker control deck. Said I'll be losing a Johnny and Esper Charm post-rotation. Any idea for some card choices to replace them? I mainly use the Esper Charms for card draw. In some matchups, they get through at a blue-white control. Okay, it's one of those ones where I'm trying to make out what is what he's saying exactly, and I'm being unsuccessful. But, uh... Titanic Planeswalker Control deck list, two artifacts, crystal, two crystal balls. He has yeah. uh, two Soren Markov, two Jace Bellerin, four Mana Leak, four Ajani Vengeant, four Esper Charm. I won't go over the land because it seems like it's pretty good with the exception of the lack of man lands. Uh, two Chandra Nalar, two Inferno Titan, four Day of Judgment. Four Path to Exile, three Sun Titan, and four Wall of Omens. And then in his sideboard, he has two Doomblade, three Duress, two Suffer the Past, which is an awesome card, by the way. Uh, yes. Three Negate, two Telemann Performance, and three Oblivion Ring. Telemann Performance is kind of interesting. That's one I haven't actually really, I don't think, seen used too much. Uh, what did you think about that there, Bimi? Um... Uh, he's definitely got answers for everything. Uh, it's interesting because uh, the... I don't know. He. It seems like he's got a lot of answers for everything, but the thing about it is is it almost seems like... Now, the mana base... It's interesting how he has... He's taken like a whole bunch of different ideas, like the Telemann performance about having someone scry or go through their cards until they find a creature card... It's kind of interesting to see how he's incorporating these all together, and I guess that's one of the beautiful things about someone who's willing to take a chance on a deck design that's not normal, not right. your standard quote. The problem is, is after rotation, this deck's going to take a hit, and it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to be able to put that together afterwards. I haven't had an opportunity to look at it post-rotation, which is what I try to do with most of the decks that you send me, is I try to look at things post-rotation to see where things are going. Right. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what he does, but it's it's fascinating how he wants nothing out there, make sure everybody stopped, and then when you get so frustrated that you can't play anything, it dies, he's going to swipe half your deck in order to find a creature card to put in the play under your, 
under his control. Well, here's here's what I would say about the deck personally that he he's running 25 land, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I think I think he could use some man lands. Maybe he just doesn't have man lands. Uh, the problem or the thing that worries me about the deck is he has no ramp, right? He no. has he has no way to ramp, so he has no. You know, he's not running green, and then he's able to get into his other colors because he's got ramping cards. So he's he's really relying on making sure he hits his land with two crystal ball, which you're guaran- not very guaranteed to hit two crystal ball. Other than that, you've got Soren, which is color-intensive, Jace, which is color-intensive, uh, Ajani, which, you know, requires two different colors, Esper Charm, which is co- which you know, again, white, blue, black. You've got to be able to hit all three colors. Chandra is color intensive. Inferno Titan color intensive. Now, you know, you might be thinking, well, by the time that I get to six mana, you should be able to have the two red for that. But you're, and then you know, you've got still you've got Day of Judgment color intensive. Sun Titan. It's it's so many color intensive cards that I would be afraid. That you're not going to hit the mana. I mean, you look even like Jund. Jund had the mana fixing it needs, just running the three colors, and still had issues sometimes hitting those colors. It's it seems like you're it, a little greedy when it comes to trying to hit the colors that you need to hit. I mean, I know that you've got you know dragon skulls and drowned catacombs and glacial fortresses and all that, but it just seems. I don't know. I'd be a little worried about that. Trying to hit four colors, you're, I mean, you're playing islands, mountains, plains, and swamps, and trying to hit four colors when you've got such color-intensive spells. I would be a little worried about being able to do that. One of the things that I think, especially with multicolored decks, especially quad multicolored decks, is that you need to pick one or at the most two of those colors and say I can play multicolor or, you know like the Telemann performance requires two blue I'm going to stay blue let's say blue white are my ones that are going to cost more than just two and more than just one of the whites or one of the reds right stay focused on those like you said you're you're running into facts of okay you have six mana I have one blue yeah exactly you're, that's the whole problem with it, and with the fact those uh, the lands he has, a lot of them are, you know, contingent on having another land out there for it. Otherwise, it comes into play tapped. Right. So he's losing tempo on that. It, it's. I don't and know. That's, I, would, I guess I that would, would be what I would question is: yes, you have some of the better cards in here because of the fact that you're running four colors. But in the grand tra- grand tradition of running multicolored decks, especially when you get to four and five colors you have to be able to make sure that you're hitting your mana drops and if you're not then what is it costing you it's it's always you know a cost of what of what it's going to cost you versus what you gain from it how often do you find yourself losing games because you don't hit your mana drops when you need to you know and that and that's that's kind of the biggest question with this if you're hitting your crystal ball you know enough then maybe you're able to to get the land out there hit your crystal balls and do it but with only two crystal ball I find it hard to believe that you're hitting that all the time and so and you don't you're not running like ponder 
or preordain or anything like that to kind of sift through your deck. So I'd be worried about the mana base. Well, that's the one thing. I mean, we talk about Cortland's decks all the time, and when he plays three-color aggressive, one color is always the third color. The, you know, like if it's, you know, red, it's, like I said, one and a red. It's not one and two red. Right. And that's that's the one thing, you know, if you're going to redo, redo the deck, you can keep the idea of the deck, but you really have to change out some of those cards Maybe instead of focusing on white, you have a lot of single white spells outside of the Day of Judgments. Maybe dump the Day of Judgments, replace them with, say, four Ponders, and you might be able to run white as a, you know, tertiary, well, I'm going to get that wrong, uh, color. Right. I, I would say try and get it down to three colors. Try. And you could also wait until Scars and see if there's some way to fix the mana even more in Scars. Um, you know, if, if that Mox ends up being something really worth playing, then that might be something to look at. But based on what he's saying, you know, not running Jaces and things, maybe that's not even an option for him because maybe he won't be able to afford that. So I would, I would kind of right now try and get it down to three colors and then let us know, you know, what what it is that you know if you need those four colors and need all that in there then kind of give us an idea of the direction that you want your deck to head in like what your overall goal is and that way we can try and figure out what you might be able to do uh you know post rotation it's kind of hard because we're trying to predict cards that haven't even come out yet but um you know maybe we can at least give you an idea of how to get it down to three colors if that's what you want to do um, that's well, really well, definitely, definitely. He needs to experiment with each of the sets of three colors, right? And figure out which set of three colors works best with his deck, and then say, okay, if it ends up being whatever combination of the three, you know, say he says with the Esper colors and goes with that route, it, whatever works best based on the cards he plays is where he should go. Right. Exactly. Okay, so then we have uh, Alex Metcalf with a white, blue, and then splash of red defender deck. Did did I send this to you? Uh, you did get this yes, one. Yes, right? you did. Okay. I love this deck. Yes. I actually is this, made is this, this like deck. Wall of America or American Border Patrol? Uh, yes, that's exact. No, I uh it is kind of pretty much. It's it's a uh, it's a border I mean it's a uh, a wall deck, but it's not I guess it does really only rely on well, yeah, it's kind of a wall deck. This is really the first time I've actually had a chance to take a look at it. So, and you liked this deck a lot, you said, Beamy? I had a casual deck revolved around red-white walls. And the one thing that, with his wall deck, that I decided to... He has perimeter captains and stuff like that. I think one of the cards, if he's going to run walls, that he needs to run in there is Rage Nimbus. Okay. And that's that's the one that, it's a 5 and a 3, and it forces an opponent to attack you. Right, right. Reach you to attack on the your red, turn. Yeah, red wall. Yeah, force him to send stuff in, and that way either he can kill it off or he can just block it and keep it back so that way can help him and the other thing I thought is since he's running so many walls he should be running Luminarch Ascension 
I mean, he has ways to control the board to keep his opponent away from him. If he gets Luminarch Ascension off, he can just keep pumping out the four four flyers, and then use the use the Rage Nimbus to keep his. If he has for some reason flyers out there against you, to force his flyers to attack into him, and then his flyers go free. Right. Now, Tom, you mentioned uh, the Walls of America. That that has blue in it too, correct? So it's got. Does it use the the uh, the wall that pulls? Instance or sorceries or whatever it is out of your graveyard. Yeah, I mean, use demonic wall and also right. a lot of times the vent sentinel would kind of come down. You hopefully protect it, and then you're doing five, six damage a turn until they die. Okay, yeah, I haven't actually looked at that deck. I've heard it mentioned many times, but I haven't actually seen it myself. So that's a pretty interesting deck. He didn't have a sideboard, and I just kind of threw some cards out there for a sideboard for him, uh, considering what he's running. Uh, Depending what his meta is, is either combust, uh, flash freeze, uh, stagger shock, uh, oblivion ring until the end of rotation, uh, into the royal, which is a very nice one to give him card draw, which is what he needs. And actually, re- with his walls, a card that works really well when you have a lot of walls to protect yourself is Chandra, Chandra and LR. Right. Because, sure, he wants to keep hitting with his vent sentinel, but. If he gets Chandra out two turns later, he's hitting for 10 and wiping out everything the guy has. And it's going to be protected if he's got all these walls that have Defender Flying Shroud and all that stuff on it. And then the only other thing is it looks like he's, because it's going to take long for him to get to where he needs to, is he has three Fireballs, and he ain't casting Fireball to hit for three. He's casting Fireball to hit for the win. Right. And he needs to switch switch it out for Banefire. Well, maybe he's preparing for the rotation, though, in which case okay. Banefire will... I mean, you could be right. If he's using this in the next F&M, then, mm-hmm. you know, by all means, uh, use Banefire. But if it it looks like all the rest... Well, he's using a Johnny Vengeance, though, so that that may not be the case. I, I would I would recommend the Mnemonic Walls, though. Um, why, why... He's running... Uh, I guess I red didn't. White. What was that? No, well he's got he's got Wall of Denial. Oh yeah, he's got the blue and he's running yeah. Mana Leaks negates. Yeah. So so real quickly, he's running four Perimeter Captain, four Wall of Omens, four Wall of Denial, two Vent Sentinel, two a Johnny Vengeance, three Path to Exile, two Negate, two Mana Leak, four Lightning Bolt, two Chandra's Outrage, three Fireball, and four Burst Lightning. Um. He is he is running. You know his lands are basics, and then Scalding Tarn, Sajiri Refuge, Glacial Fortress, Jungle Shrine. Now it could be partially because maybe he doesn't have uh, man lands. Once again, you know the amount of people I see out there and hear out there. In fact, I think we were just hearing about them talk about this on Scrubland, but it's yes. it's the truth that so many of the decks that we've been given don't have the man lands in them. This is one where Manlands would shine greatly. I mean, you have a bunch of, of walls out anyway, so activate your Manlands and get it in attacks when you can. You know, I mean, it's just, you've got tons of burn. You should have Manlands, for one thing. And regardless of that, you should probably use Mnemonics because you're running a ton of of burn and counter spells. So you should be 
be getting uh, some mnemonic walls to pull those things back out of the graveyard to be able to use them again. And that's not, you know, that's budget-friendly right there because mnemonic walls are commons, I believe. So Yeah, they are. So then you dump the four perimeter captain, put in two rage nimbus and two um, mnemonic walls, and then that gives him the ability to draw some of those cards back, plus that, and then the jungle shrines dump those out for celestial colonnades, the manlands. I mean, that would be, you know, that would be a great move for him because it is a 4-4 flyer. Well, you would probably just, well, get rid of the two Sejiri refuge for celestial colonnades at least. Um, and as far as the jungle shrines, trade those out. Yeah, I mean, you could trade them out for something also. There's the, uh, I don't, is there a reason for him to have green in there? Is he just running that for the, he's not running any green other than that, correct? No, so, he's running it for the red-white mana fixing. Okay, so he needs, he needs arid mesas, but he just probably doesn't have them. So, uh, you know, I would try and get, yeah, just like you said, get, um, Celestial colonnades in there, and he probably doesn't need any more man lands than that. That gives him some some uh, alternative win conditions, basically. And it just looks it looks pretty solid. Other than that, I would I would be prepared for post rotation. Be prepared to take a Johnny and the path to exiles out, replace paths with condemns. You know. Yes, I, so, I can agree with that. I just think I just think he with the walls. He could take advantage of Luminarch Ascension, and I, you know, and that's nothing. That card is, that card's like a couple of bucks, I believe, at the most. So I mean, that's something that he could look into too. Right. To substitute out. Actually, it's going for two dollars and three cents. Oh. Wow. Well, you can't give expensive card tips like that. I'm sorry. I'll I'll, I'll talk to Cortland if I want expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, thinking he's he is running the Balls of Denial, and is he running anything else that's blue that's a permanent or mana leaks and that's it? No. Okay, it's well just... if he's if he's running the Walls of Denial and if he if he throws in those uh, those uh, other blue balls, the ones that uh, return a sorcery. Yeah, or the mnemonics. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was thinking the Mirror Sigil Sigil uh, Sergeant. It's a mythic from Conflux. It's five yeah. and five and one white uh, rhino soldier four four trample. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control a blue permanent, you may put a token into play that is a copy. So you basically get a four four trample every upkeep if you control a blue. I have an awesome story about the mirror sigil sergeant. Actually, you know the blue deck that uh, that I made that you loved playing against so much there, Beamy. We're not going to go back to this again. Are no, we? no, 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 not not to the actual match, oh. but oh, okay. the, one of the first times I played that, uh, someone played was playing Mirror Sigil against me, and and I had Leyline of of uh, anticipation in play, and I flashed in a mind control to take control of its of Mirror Sigil, and of course because mind control is a blue permanent, I immediately started popping out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Popping out tokens, so that was pretty sweet. And it is only a one dollar mythic, so I mean it's not hard to get, I imagine. So I mean that's something to look into if you if you don't uh, if you don't want to go with the Luminarch Ascension, which is also a really good card, especially. 
Uh, Luminarchs would be perfect in this deck. I agree totally with with Beamy about that. Um, I I think sometimes sometimes it's a matter of what cards he has. So if he wants a suggestion, Luminarch would be great. Um, again, I wouldn't put too many in because you don't want to see your third Luminarch when you've got you know walls sitting out there that you know you need to be laying down but uh i would probably at least put a couple in for sure like three or eight oh, wait, no, that's be me uh yes well, what was that well the thing about it is is that he has i mean this deck does like i said it revolves completely around control around his ability to prevent you from hitting him i don't know i just he's got so many options out there for him that we've given him now that he can just monkey with and play with right now that he should have lots and lots of fun with this. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, the problem is, is is most people would look at this and they would say the same thing. Oh, it's, you know, who wants to play with walls? Well, you know what? We can't all afford Cortland's decks. Well, at least you can. I I can't. So (laughs) it's nice to have something out there to put in front of somebody that will slow them down um when uh sandwich was talking to me you know he likes decks that get out there and go right away go after you quick hard fast get to 20 and end the game and see you later and it's nice that he has something out there that can literally say okay whoa slow down guys let's slow this game down you know but that's just me no totally man i i completely agree uh, let's get on to the the vampire black deck that we came across here. It's, it looks like before we even had a chance to tell this guy our opinions, he made some changes. This was Jared with a post-rotation vampire budget deck. And he said, I, I built this deck for competitive FNM because it's filled with bad cards that have good synergy together. And then he started talking about how, like, People complain about Arrogant Bloodlord and Bloodgast, which I think is funny. I, I really haven't heard too many people complain about Bloodgast, and if they would, I'd like to argue with them about that. But uh, but other than that, he uh, he's talking about you know the the his deck, and then before we even had a chance to respond, he had made changes that were changes we would have were going to offer. Uh, for him to make, but he said I made a few big changes, so here's my newest thoughts. Uh, Pawn of Ulamog and Blood Throne Vampire, Eldrazi Monument, and Mortician Beetle are the tits, which I think is funny because I think he was just saying, I think before he was saying he didn't want to add Mortician Beetle, but now he realized that he's pretty good in this deck. So it is uh, four Viscera Seer, four Mortician Beetle, four Blood Throne Vampire, three Gatekeeper of Malakir, four Blood Ghast, two Night- Vampire Nighthawk, four Pawn of Ulamog. Two Blade of the Blood Chief, two Smother, three Doomblade, two Grim Discovery, three Eldrazi Monument, and then, uh, you know, random lands, which are fine. And then he has in the sideboard two Sadistic Sacrament, three Myers Toll, one Doomblade, three Bloodseeker, two Smother, and four Vampire Hexmage. Well, I, I know I sent you a response to this before this, and it was funny, he sent that out. It must have been like right after I sent my email to you on this. Um, I said to replace with the Pana Ulamog, which I, he agreed with. Uh, I also thought that for his sideboard, he might want to go stabbing pain, duress, 
uh, and a potentially since he's in and out of life gain and stuff like that is a card I think that's highly underrated is Death Shadow because if he gets that at the end game that's a real nice card to have and then the one thing that Cortland was talking about earlier is Sword of Vengeance I think Sword of Vengeance in this deck would good good and then the other one that I really like with his one that gains all these counters is Whisper Silk Cloak this plus plus have shroud and unblockable and let him keep sacrificing his creatures and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, I think that's probably like would be the replacement for Eldrazi monument. And the only reason why I say that is Eldrazi gives you some evasion, but it also makes creatures indestructible and it's for the same cost overall. I mean, you can put the, you can put the whisper silk down cheaper and then equip it, but between the, the playing it and equipping it, it's the same price, right? So, I mean, you just... Yeah. I would probably... I like the Eldrazi idea, because one thing, it automatically makes you sacrifice a creature, so that's that's synergy with his overall deck, but it also gives him the ability to prevent himself from being, you know, Day of Judgment or whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, Whisper Silk's, Silk's cool, too, and that could work also. I would probably it'd be one of those things where you'd have to test and see what works best, whether or not you're mostly beating people with with littler creatures or if you are beating people down with your big beefy mortician beetles or blood throne vampires. I mean, I can already see kind of the, this is kind of like half the deck that I was talking about earlier that I made like half of my life gain deck and then half of this deck is kind of, you know, with a couple other things thrown in. I, like my deck has the Pawn of Ulamog, the Mortician Beetle, the uh, Blood Throne Vampire, and some other stuff. And, and it, it does work. It has synergy together for sure. Um, and they can get huge. I mean, I've killed people just with an unblocked Blood Throne Vampire many times because I had Pawn of Ulamog and like four other creatures out. Oh, okay. Well, hold on, hold on a second, Tanj, before we finish up on that. Um, yeah, the um, uh, ragdoll kittens man is going to be uh, crashing. It sounds like Tom, you heading out? I'm heading out. So that's why I posted a link in the chat window of some ragdoll kittens for you. Very nice, very nice. Okay, cool. Well, we really appreciate you joining us, and uh, wanted to definitely say have a good night and thanks for coming on. No Thank problem. you for everything, man. I'll probably join you every once in a while and just derail the show for like an hour and a half. That would be amazing. We're always we love a train wreck, so derail us. <laughs> oh, I'll talk to you guys later. Remember blue waffles. Safe blue waffles. Blue I'm gonna have waffles. dreams about that tonight. Thanks. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Tom. So well, uh, I gotta tell you, man. I gotta tell you, man. That's i You know, I I joke I joke that this week on the uh, the S show. Uh, they got John Medina, and he's a great, I mean, he's great at what he does, and he provided some tremendous insight in there. But you know, we got the guy who runs the King of the Podcast. Oh, oh man, I totally agree, and I love you know just the idea of Tom being on anyway because he can derail you, but sometimes it's nice to just have his conversations <laughs> over whatever else other bullshit we're going to be talking about. So. Well, I, I you know, and it, it is kind of nice to get. Again, every time it calls in, like Cortland, 
or car of the week he was on us before and Tom it's always nice to get a different perspective from someone else out there just to say hey what about this or think about that it's it provides more thoughts out there than the general hive mind of the four of us yeah exactly man totally I I think it's really cool and I appreciate having him on and he is welcome anytime so much like car but car yeah, now- you know car car is welcome anytime too but he he you know he's such a slacker that he he doesn't want to you know come on and and hang out and bs with us well you know he gives up he gives up too much of his time i mean the guy's got you know, <laughs> no, he's, I know. he's got all these podcasts he's pumping out pumping out extra podcasts now bonus I mean, podcasts now what did you vote for for a show what was your vote to name the that's show that's top secret man that's top secret. I, I voted for uh, for the uh, the oh god the same one that uh, that oh my brain is not working now the, uh, the same one that their guest voted on and I'm trying to remember Medina voted on yeah which is I think, uh, I, I think we all voted that way but I think it's kind of funny that that one wasn't the winner but I know yeah yeah oh you voted for that one too. Yeah, I voted for that one too. Yeah, but you know, it was kind of cool when he posted the map of where all the votes had come from on the, on the website. It was kind of cool when he listed the the totals, and all suddenly you see all these votes from all over the place. And it's like, wow, you know, to think of that many different people from all over, you know, the United States and Canada voted for it. So I don't know. I that oh was- yeah, totally, man. I I actually liked the uh, what was it? Uh, God, there was there was one that was on the the uh, on Twitter that they came up with, and I can't remember if it was Carr or if it was. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. Probably it was. Smitty. Smitty. Yeah, I think it was the Smitty. One that always comes up with the names. It, yeah, it was Smitty. I think now, but it was like uh, it was something. Oh, I can't even remember. It was it was pretty funny, but I I can't remember what it was. So that was really good podcasting right there. Anyway, uh, so any other advice for this guy, though, on on this deck here? No, he's got... I mean, we've given him options now on what to play with. Right. Uh, send us an email back and tell us what you experimented with and let us know, and then we can go there. Yep. Cool. I think that's it for right now. I don't think I have any others. Do you? Did you see anything else that I... Uh, any others that I'd sent you that I'm not that I'm missing right now? Off the top of my head. Okay. Um, cool. Would, would would have the show name been "Suck My Deck"? Yes, that would be the one, man. I like that. That was pretty awesome. So it's almost like Car is tunneling into my mind and telling me what oh, the answers are. Yeah, I know. God. <laughs> Car is good. Uh, the way he can channel his energy like that. I know. Well, when you're when you're a poker pro and you're you know a magic the Canadian magic genius, I mean, come on, you know. Wow. And he's and he's Mike Flores Jr. So what more can you ask for out of a person? Oh, and and I, I will remind you that Mike Flores did take me to the win in our little roundabout here. Now we got to do this real quick. All right. Um, the we can reduce it to three or whatever. Um, Cortland, I need your picks for this weekend over in where? Where did they say it was again? Oh God, it's late. 
Um, uh, Amsterdam. Yeah, I need your picks, Cortland. Uh, give me three, four names. Who you think? Don't worry about it. We can overlap. I don't even uh, know who's going. Uh, everybody, there... everybody except for Jerry T. Okay. Um, well, I like uh, Brad Nelson. Uh, he's pretty cool. So, I guess I'd be. How many picks are we doing? Uh, we can. Well, I originally had five written down, but I'd like two international. So you got to realize that they're the international people, including including people like yourself. You're considered international because you're technically across the border. So you know the Adam checks, the people from the, the Canadian group can be uh, listed in there too. Uh, the Japanese pros, obviously, because one of mine's going to be Saito until he loses. I mean, he's he's like he's like writing a sure bet. Oh, I'm sorry, we can't say that. <laughs> but you know, he he's one I'll take until he decides not to play. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I'd like at least. Four, three or four Americans and one international. All right. Um, well, I'd say Brad Nelson, uh, okay. an LSV. Okay. And um, uh, mm, third U.S. pick. Um, trying to think of something good. Um, I'd say I'd go for um, shoot. What's his name? It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, shoot, uh, David Ochoa. Is he in the U.S. or is he from somewhere else? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's U.S. man. Okay, well I'll go with David Ochoa. And I liked his uh, playing of Dredgevine was pretty awesome. Um, now I have a quick question while he's thinking here. Uh, you're asking for five, so is this is there an assumption that there's going to be some overlap here? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's only fair. okay. Okay, just want to make sure. It's only fair. Oh God, yeah, because the guy who goes first. Okay, well that eliminates half our picks. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, could yeah. I could I get a minute because I want to research uh, who did the uh, Canadian Nats? If I could. Uh, I'm just- I have a feeling you might be able to get an answer on that fairly quick. Um, so, uh, what uh, what are you thinking there, Tangent? Um, I would. I was wanting to go with uh, DeRosa f- for one of my, you know, uh, foreigners. Perfect. I wanted to go with um, Watanabe. Oh. Good and, choice. And then I wanted to go uh, Kibler, mm-hmm. um, Craig Wesco. Ooh, another good choice. And God, I'm not sure. I did want to go LSV, but I think I'll actually. I'm going to have to to uh, jump on the Achoa bandwagon here because he's just. Uh, I, I he's doing pretty doing pretty well, and I I think he's going to uh, hit something big. Now I give now I give LSV a lot of love. Don't don't get me wrong with that, but uh, you know what happens when men get engaged and head towards that marriage thing? Remember hey man, said, you know that they tend to lose their edge 
You know what I mean? And I'm not saying he's going to. I joke, I joke about that. But, uh, you know, he, uh, it could be, uh, it could be that, you know, the, the, will it be that the magic love for magic be subs, substituted even partially by the, uh, hand of a young lady that'll make him happy for the rest of his life? Yeah, I I just have a feeling. I don't know. Like I said, uh, you know, a couple episodes ago, I think LSV, <laughs> he's he's awesome and he'll always be up there. But I don't think that he cares as much as the rest of the people do. I know that sounds stupid, but I think that he loves the game, but he also loves it in like a, a kind of a happy-go-lucky kind of way and a less serious way than like say Saito and. And Brad Nelson and, you know, all the people that are really at the top of the list are... I, I just feel like he, he is perfectly fine with heading out with his woman, you know. I, I don't think it's as big of a deal to him right now because he's already making ass loads of money anyway. Well, you can see how his love for... I mean, when he does his interviews on Channel Fireball, how he enjoys just... You know, he was talking to uh, the Nationals champion this week, uh, two-part interview, and you could just tell he's got this. He enjoys it so much, but it's it doesn't. You know, it, it's not like that killer kind of. I want to. I'm going to rip your heart out, kind of. And Desi, this is kind of. He's evolved to a point in Magic where it's like, I've done already X. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I I think he's he's doing well enough. He's he's riding the riding you know the the uh, the well, not the bandwagon, but you know he's he's on the gravy train. He's doing really well. He's he's an awesome player. But he jokes around and has fun, and he runs a website, and he you know I don't know. I just think I think he uh, he's just he's awesome. But I think he's happy and content. With not necessarily having to be number one all the time, and and it, it I, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, when you have done, when you have done what he's done, and it at such an early age of Magic when he started playing, to you know literally win almost win nationals like right off the bat. So, he, I think I think Carr kind of wants to vote for the current champion. So, I think that's if I if I'm reading his thoughts correctly. I think he wants to go current champ. So Well, I, I'm I'm still I'm gonna have to I will take Carr's advice because I I trust him on this. And after reading uh uh VT's articles on, on the Man of Deprived website, uh I like him. Obviously I like Sato until he decides not to play magic anymore. Um, I, infor- I I don't want to say unfortunately I'm going to have to go with my homeboy I'm going to have to go with Chapin until he, he starts quitting uh, then the other two I've been flipping back and forth like all day running through different names and different thoughts and you know I, I'm I'm going to have to I'm going to have to stay with Conley because he's done well and and ironically, I I don't know I, that last spot, man. I've just had this problem with making a pick, and you know, <laughs> I'm gonna take. I'm I'm actually gonna go back to my original pick, and I'm gonna play it safe, and I'm gonna go with Keebler. So 
Very you nice. Can play it safe. That's but, totally but cool. There's nothing wrong with playing safe with that. Yeah. No, man. I I think that's totally cool, dude. Uh, I think that uh, that those are good choices. I'd really like to see Conley do do well, and it'd be very easy for me to just pick Conley every time because that just comes naturally. But yep. I, you know, I got to go with some other other choices here. Well, you know, that's that's the thing is as I was talking to Carr about this, and actually, he was contemplating putting together a program for us to be able to use to be able to pick to be able to pick um, for a magic thing like this so you could actually go online make your picks and submit them and I and I told him I said well you've got a problem and he goes what he goes well Grand Prix Portland I have Tangent and I have Marshall <laughs> and I have uh, Moto Google. I I, I mean Half our podcasts are going to be up there running. How, you know, how am I going to pick against that? You know, so, man, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Hey, but the, at least you got some people to vote for, man. That's the important thing. To, that's to true. Get behind, that's you can true. be the cheerleader. Just don't put out any cheerleading videos because that will be a problem. No, oh, I'm not going to go there. I, I had to. I, I'm. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go on a Raiders of the Teferi Tuzzle Box Tuzzle Box tangent, and say last night in my utter terror of being of being married and having no control to remote until football season. Uh-huh. Uh I had to watch two hours of Glee last night. Oh my god! Video. Oh, that's yeah. horrible. I'm sorry. Thank God you sent me decks to play with while I was messing with <laughs> time. So. Yeah, really. Okay, I did want to say this though. Um, the Mana Screwed logo contest is done, and we have a winner. Yes, which uh, the winner of the Mana Screwed logo contest is me. Yeah, no, it is uh, <laughs> Philip Heckman, and it's it's a really sweet logo. I've actually already emailed him, and hopefully we'll have a response from him soon with the information. And, you know, I asked him if, you know, a couple things about it, if he can do a couple things for me. Uh, but other than that, it is done, and we will be doing a drawing for the second prize to that, but I've got to actually compile all the the logo entries to figure out exactly how many there are. And we will release that uh, by the next show of who won the second Prize and I got to find out what he's going to be taking too before I can say what someone else is going to get. So he gets the choice of two Elspits or two Mox Diamonds. Me? Oh, I'm sorry. Right, right. And you're just hoping that you get lucky and win the uh, whatever he doesn't want. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, the other thing that um, I wanted to say about GP Portland and the reason why. Tangent and Marshall and the guys from Limited Resources will do well because it is a limited situation where it does not rely on you having, you know, a thousand dollar deck to be competitive. It's you being able to take what you get in boosters and turning it into something special. And that, as much as as much as the pros and the other people don't want to talk about that and say anything about it, I think that is by far the absolute most difficult format to play. Oh, I think it is too, man. I, well, well, that's the point, and that's why it's not necessarily that it, it's any more skill intensive. It's that if you have a mediocre to garbage pool, 
there's a hell of a lot of skill involved in trying to make that work. And it is, yeah, it is way more luck-based. So you could have someone who is not very good at magic at all open the bomb pool and riding riding that a long ways. So it, it definitely makes it harder to separate the men from the boys. But honestly, you know, you, the one thing you got to really think about when it comes to that, and that's that's you, you know, you can say about what you want about the guy getting very lucky and having all these cards and blah 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 blah. It doesn't matter if if you um, have the best cards in the set, you you still have to be able to play them correctly. And GP Portland's open to anybody. You know what I'm saying? So you could get you could get the bomb deck and still have it run by someone who has no clue of how to play them in the correct order. Right. And I guess I'd rather have I would rather have someone to have a less less skilled deck, you know, a less easy deck and guide it to a top eight and sit there and go, okay, this is what I played. And then people look at it and go, you won with what? Right. Yeah, man. Well, I will definitely have good coverage coming from GP Portland. I will have all sorts of updates and get on your nerves constantly. So it will be a good time. Better, because I'm looking forward to it. Now, now... (laughs) Now, Cortland, the other guy you might want to pick is our national champion, and that is Josh Utterlayton, who, who, when I watched it on GGS Live, beautifully mastered it to victory. Um, I can't, I can't argue with his play style. I can, I can be jealous of the fact that he weighs as much as my seven-year-old, but uh, you know, um, he's, uh, you know, he's. Uh, He's he's very very good. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of people uh, on this list. Uh, you know, Zeev uh, Mashowitz is on there. He's another real real good one that people don't have picked on the list. Uh, Tom Martell, another real good one. I'm I'm just browsing through the list. You could always go with Gavin. You could always just throw the long shot out there, man. Good. Now there's a. Uh, At Sperling's going going to be there. Is uh, is Cortland even still him. here, or did we like put him to sleep? No, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm okay. I'm not playing StarCraft too. Don't worry. Okay. Because oh, I'm man. about ready to crash here, and if you, we we really do need to wrap this up, man. This this will be the epic of epic podcast, but we did get Tom on, and I can't argue with uh, the ability to get Tom on the show to have. Him on to be able to talk to. Oh, here's one for you, Oliver Ruel. There's uh, one you Olivier, might want to Olivier Ruel. Olivier, Olivier, sorry, <laughs> Olivier. I'm bad at. I married a teacher for a reason, guys. Okay, <laughs> it's cool, English man. English skills aren't the best. Yeah, Olivier's. Uh, he's he's good, man. Here's 108 emails coming in for that. Um, yeah, but no, the, there are a lot of people out there, and this goes for all the people that are listening to. If you want to send in your picks, uh, email us at at, uh, at manadeprived at gmail dot com, and we will review everybody's picks. <laughs> and we're and we're supposed they're supposed to email manadeprived. 
Oh man, I screwed. God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a couple episodes ago, you called. You called. You were calling uh, mana deprived, mana screwed, and now and now we get to be the mana deprived, huh? That's See, cool. Here's the problem. See, here's the problem. See, they keep getting. You know, they'll they'll get John Medina. They're gonna get Kelly Reed. You know, they yes. can't. We are can't bowing to their superiority. We can't take. They can't take low lives like us on the show. You know? <laughs> Jay Speak Bush for yourself, man. Challenge. Speak for yourself, Beamy. Yeah, someone's got to challenge Jay Bush for talk time, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me and Jay Bush, we we don't want to be on the same show together because who knows what would happen. That could cause that could cause the epic ten hour show. Yeah, that would be pretty insane. <laughs> oh well, I I'm I'm gonna think I think we're good here. I think yeah, we've done everything absolutely. We All right. Well, hey, uh, once again, if you want to get a hold of us. Email temporary or for now still email manascrewed at gmail dot com. Have the website up very 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 shortly this time for real. And uh, yeah, anyway, uh, it was good having you guys on Cortland once again. Uh, it was good for Carr to be in our thoughts and uh, in our heads. And uh, it was good to talk to you again, Beamy. Yep, and make sure you send all your hate mail to Mana Deprived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. All your hate mail for the episode goes to Mana Deprived. Yes, not us, please. <laughs> all right. Hey, guys, thanks a lot for everything, and until next time, I am Tangent. The Beamy. And I'm Cortland. And we are out. Later. Later. <laughs>